Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast that you've always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Almost dying, but I'm here in decent health. Okay, well, I'm glad you were joining us in decent health and joining us for the first time in a couple of weeks, making his return to the program, making his return to this part of the world, none other than Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Yo, annyeong haseyo. We have now reached uh, a new young. audience. <laughs> yeah, no old. one's young on this uh, yeah. this program. Yo, fuck you guys. I'm younger than both of you. uh but on this program we talk about sports and uh, other things as well at times because that is 43.6 and thank you for subscribing on all the podcast services all over the world and on youtube at 43.6 as well make sure you check us out there this episode is going to be brought to you by now your treasures but we'll talk a bit more about them later however on this episode we're going to be talking about Tua tongue of iloa we're going to be talking about DK Metcalf. We're going to be talking about the NFL Week 5. So not so much Week 4. We're going to tee up more Week 5. Our interest has started to peak with Toronto Maple Leafs preseason. And we're going to talk a bit about that. Hockey Canada has done the stupid thing. And we're going to talk about that a bit. And the Toronto Blue Jays are officially in the playoffs. And officially will be the number one wild card. We'll talk a bit about that as well. As well as our top fives and shoutouts near the end of the program all that and a whole lot more but before we get to all that we do like to get to how our weeks have been i think we're going to save maddie to the end because he has like two or two or three weeks i guess of information to catch us up on so james we'll start with you you know what i feel like you shouldn't even talk to me like if i'm if i'm feeling like shit it's just gonna like this guy's got two weeks of travel to go through and like, real talk, I can't be here for two and a half hours the way I'm feeling. So let's just get this. In the words of uh, our former pro wrestling world, I guess you're still there. Uh, let's let this man get his shit in, all right? Let's <laughs> let's let the man get his shit in about his travel because he's got a lot of stories to tell. And it would be wasted on me talking about how I feel like shit. All right, that's fair enough. Um, I also had a bit of travel this week. He did? And by travel, I mean I was staying downtown Toronto. So oh. I had a work I had a work thing going on at the convention center and they put me up in a hotel for the week. Yo, fancy so, boy. Yeah, like I'm like I don't really need one, but if someone's going to make my bed every day, I think that's a pretty awesome perk. No, I don't let no one in my hotel. What? No, I I put the do not disturb sign on there. I don't want them going through my shit. Leave that bed unmade and messy. I don't want no sheets tucked in. None of it. <laughs> So it was a whole thing for me. So we were staying at, I mean, I guess, I'm not there anymore, so I guess I can tell you what hotel I was staying at. Uh, I was staying at the Delta, which is... <laughs> like he's a big celebrity. You're going to get stopped. <laughs> no one's coming to wait I mean, for your you autograph know. outside. <laughs> Trust me. I'm a popular man, okay? Yo, ne- next time you're at a hotel, I'm going to find out where it is and just wait outside. Be like, yo, is Dustin Dude, Perry here? Check in, check in under a pseudonym, like you're Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. <laughs> The Rock used to do that. Like all of the uh, wrestlers yeah. oh, used yeah. to do that. They would yeah. check in as like some bogus. Some thing. hockey players do too. It's. Like, I mean, it's smart. Like because uh, there's, there's crazies out there, man. You never know. Johnny but I'm staying Trumbone. at the Delta. Delta. And the Big Delta is, if, you, if you're not familiar with downtown Toronto, it's like right in between the Rogers Center and Scotiabank Arena. So it's right in the middle of the two. And I get there on the Tuesday night or whatever. 
And there was five of us who were all booked through the like our company. So the company paid for the hotel for the week. Five of us go to check in, and only one person had a room. The other four didn't. They were like, uh, no, your reservation's for tomorrow, not today. It's like, mm. These were all made at the same time for the, these five people, and you're telling me one of them is checking in today, and the other four are checking in tomorrow. So we had to call you know, the company that we work for, and they put us in another hotel that they had available. They were just making some calls, making things happen. They're like, okay, go to the Royal York. Ooh. Right. And go up to the 18th floor to check in. I was like, what the Sounds like a drug about? deal or like yeah. a gang. Ask for Larry. Yeah. Ask for Larry. You're just taking <laughs> yeah, like over it. a room of a porn shoot <laughs> temporarily. Yeah. So I go up to the 18th floor, and apparently this is where like, you know, the rich people check in. So the these are like Yeah, so I so we get there and they're saying, like, okay, so you guys just made this reservation like 20 minutes ago. Give us a minute to set the rooms up and stuff. But in that time, if you want, we're just serving dessert. If you want to go over there and have a piece of cake. <laughs> so I went over and had a piece of cake. And there is an, uh, there's an honor system bar. You just go over and you make yourself a drink. And it turns out they put us into sweets for, I, I assume, only because that's all they had left. And when our company called and said, we need to get these people rooms immediately, we ended up in a suite. So I was at the Royal York in a suite for a day, and that was lovely. They had this really wacky shower that was like infused with scents and stuff. It was yeah. Did like you feel pretty? I have never. Eucalyptus? Oh man, I felt amazing. Eucalyptus in the shower—that's clutch. You it was eucalyptus, it. or it was like I don't Maybe know, some was aloe vera, lavender. I think was lavender. in there too. Yeah. That, now hang on. Now you you didn't stay in a suite unless you wore the robe with the sandals. Did you wear the robe in the sandals? I did not wear the robe or the slippers because I just thought that was weird. I didn't want to wear that thing. You, you talk about so hotels are weird like that, where like you get these towels that like have been washed, but like this is still someone else's balls have been on this towel, right? And that's gotta be the situation with the robes as well. I mean, so to I don't be really fair, want to be. You don't know whose balls have been on the towels that you buy at Walmart. Some guy could that's grab true. a towel, rub them on his balls, and you know, there you go. That is true. I mean, so no, I did not wear the robe. Uh, so the next day we went back to the Delta and we're like, okay, we're going to check in now, right? Like this is a thing we can do. And they said, yeah, okay. So since we screwed up yesterday, um, we're putting you guys in suites for the duration. Of <laughs> this, <day>. guy, <laughs> this definition so, of failing upward. Yeah, I know. Eh? So I thought it was just a one night thing. Uh, suite at the Royal York ended up being an entire week's day at a suite this time at the Delta. So it was, uh, it was a fun week. I, was, I walked over to the Rogers Center one night for a game. I guess we can talk about that a bit later. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. It probably has nothing to do with anything else we're going to talk about, so I'll quickly mention it. On Wednesday, I walked over to the Jays game, and sure enough, that was the game where Aaron Judge hit number 61. Mm. So it was a fun uh, atmosphere, for sure, to be in the room when that happened. And that poor guy who didn't catch that ball... It's, the, it's funny because we, we, I don't know if we've talked about it on this show, but we, I know we've discussed between the three of us like yeah. what we would do with that ball. I don't think we ever even considered the possibility of the ball being catchable and us missing it. No, because oh. I don't have fucking butterfingers. Yeah, but it wasn't butterfingers. The guy, well, the guy claims, so the, the guy wouldn't do an interview until he was on Jimmy Fallon, I think. Or no, the other guy, Jimmy Kimmel, the other Jimmy. Um, Too many and he says he says that Frankie Lasagna's elbow nudged him 
out of the way, and that's the reason he missed it. No, which he just he just can't fucking catch a ball, and he no. doesn't want to let the world know. Well, I mean, he was it wasn't in the bleach like he would have had to give it a nice mean lean. It did hit the tip of his glove, like. But to me, I think that ball is worth. Like, how far is it from the balcony to the bullpen? Like, I think that ball is worth catching and doing a TV dive into the bullpen. A new jack? A new jack. (laughs) That question did come up. They just play the new jack theme? As we were watching the game. (laughs) Has it hit the natural ball? You catch the ball, you fall over, the new jack theme just starts playing. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name is back there? Jordan Romano is just. It is a good drop, though. I would say it's at least a 20-foot drop. 20 feet, yeah. eh? You Man. know what? With the renovations, it's, it'll be five. With some AstroTurf, though. Oh, yeah. With the renovations, you'll easily be able to just hop over no problem. I can't wait to see those raised bullpens in the Rogers oh. Center. That'll be a lot of fun. Oh, buddy. I'll dip my nuts and some mustard onto some you know opposing catcher or uh, pitcher's <laughs> head. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I, if I missed it... Like, the guy was, like, a recluse about it. I don't think I'd be that bad. Like, I mean... I would joke about it. Like, own it at that point. Just be like, yeah, I I messed up. Don't, like, play this, like, sad song or, like, this sad story and be like, oh... Like, this is the thing. We I think we all talked about this. If it was, like, a bullshit ball, we would have been like, no, we're fucking keeping it. For that, I would have been like, yo, Judge, take a picture with me. You know, shake my hand. Here's your ball. Yeah, I said I would have asked asked for the gloves. I think I think he probably would have parted for that. Like I would have shoes, for, yeah, like some signed, cleats. Yeah, yeah. No, the gloves though, maybe not because like those are the gloves he used, yeah. right? But like the bat, the gloves, and the ball are probably the things he would want, and probably the jersey. But I'd be like, yo, give me some shoes. Maybe even just go into the dugout, grab a ball, sign a ball for me, and be like, like Aaron Judge, date it, sixty-one game, whatever. Right. Like that, I would do. But I had this conversation. He's like, no, I'd cash in on that ball. I was like. I, I started thinking about it more after we had the conversation a few weeks ago. And I was just like, how would I feel if that, you know, for me, like, say if that would be like a Gretzky record breaking puck and some for some Jay way, Brown like fan I score like- the goal and a player gets pissed off and he shoots the puck into the stands. Right. Or something like that, and I don't get it. And I'd be like, this guy is trying to hold it hostage. Something that literally means nothing to him, other than to have the moment. And yet, well, for me, it's it means it could mean a down payment on a house for that guy. But here's the thing, though: what's you? I, I wonder if you could just barter with the team. Like, hey, give me three hundred. Give me seasons for one year. Give me three hundred thousand dollars in in signed merchandise from Judge. Give me thirty signed jerseys. Like, and then you can sell them to to make up some of the difference. Like maybe, I don't know. Like if, if you're that concerned about the money, see if they can make it work a different way, right? Like I'm just happy Zach Hample didn't get it. Yeah, right? absolutely. No one likes Zach Hample. No, I, like I, I, James, I, I, I think it should be something like, hey, I'll give you the ball. I don't even want anything, but give me season tickets for the rest of my life. Yeah, or something, or get, yeah, and give me playoff tickets. Give me 50, World Series if you make it to the World Series. Give me behind the plate World Series tickets yeah, for all give games. Give me seasons, thirty signed jerseys, and then a couple pieces of memorabilia for myself. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna sell the jerseys because I want to make some of the money back. I'm giving up by giving you this ball. Like I think that's fair because um, you don't have to give it back, right? So like, you know, and I'm 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 saying that I would be willing to give it back, but 
you know, if you're giving up the monetary uh, potential, I feel like, you know, the team should also respect and recognize that too. Cause you could make, you know, 300 sheets, you know, easy. So do you remember the, here, the story about the guy who caught Mark McGuire's 70th? Three million. Do you know why he got that? Yeah, because he uh, he said, hey, I'll give you the ball back, Maguire, but I just want to meet you. Maguire's like, no, fuck off. And he's like, all right. So he kept the yeah, ball. Yeah, he kept it. Yeah, so the original trade offered by the Cardinals was a signed bat, a signed ball, and a jersey. I don't know if the jersey was signed or not. They may have all been signed, I would imagine. And then... Uh, he's like, I don't even want it. that. I think he said, fine, I'll take all that. But in addition, I would also like to meet Mark McGuire. <laughs> and McGuire's like, no. So dude's like, okay, fine. Fuck you guys. And he Made, went and sold it privately and he sold it for over three, $3 million dollars. Yeah. It was like 3.05 million or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and, then like, the, and that the, judge the, ball is easily probably nowadays two million. Well, not that one's not. That one's just over three hundred grand. The sixty-two has a upwards of two million dollar bounty. So if it ever gets hit. Yeah. So Honestly, That's, like, if could you imagine if you're like the fucking Orioles playing the Yankees in the last game of the year, and you're like some butt fuck rookie pitcher thinking like, I want to be just, I would literally toss up a cherry, be like, here you go, Judge. Like, I would say before the game, it'd be like, yeah, yeah, dude, why? This is home run derby. Like, why? Yeah, yeah why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why not though? Right? Like, I get you like, don't want to be like that part of history, but like, what's it to you, man? Like, yeah. Your season's over. Your team is shit. And I get like, and you know, maybe it's not a, I'm not throwing up fucking marshmallows, but maybe it's, you know, strikes Instead down. Instead of the, throwing a 95 mile yeah. an hour junk ball, you're throwing like an 85 mile an hour change up down the middle. Yeah. Or like a hanging curve that he can yeah. launch, right? Like, oops, you know, but anyway. All right. Enough about uh, Aaron Judge's. Oh, actually one last thing about Aaron Judge. <laughs> Did you see that someone posted on uh, eBay? A Ziploc bag, bag of air. Of I was going to ask you, did you, did you post your bag of air from being there? I mean, you I should, should have. You, you should have just, just farted in the bag room and like yeah. fart from Aaron Judge's 61st game. <laughs> Peanut shells from Aaron Judge. I bet you someone would buy it. There are people that buy oh, weird yeah. shit, man. The market is a yeah, free market is. now. Like, especially when it comes to sports memorabilia and stuff like that. The market is a free market. You know where else you can get some really weird shit? Korea. Mm. South Korea, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of weird shit that, from South Korea, look at that uh, ridiculous sweater that Maddie's wearing. <laughs> hey, hey, look at that ridiculous haircut you're currently sporting, all right? <laughs> you kidding me? This is awesome. I'm not going to lie. It's, making fun it's, of our, our boy, uh, Anthony, Anthony DeFrancesca, who cuts my hair, who's also a, oh. a guest on this podcast trying to replace you. Uh, <laughs> trying, not succeeding. Um yeah, no, this they uh, custom Nike uh, store. So like all the all the Nike stores in Korea have custom stations where you can go and hoodies, pants, hats, bags, uh, even shoes you can customize there. Um, the shoes take a little longer, obviously, because paint drying and shit like that or whatever you put on it. But um, yeah, it was that was really cool. So I decided to go make like a custom hoodie, put my initials and my number on it with like a South Korean um, Nike logo here and like a reverse Nike logo mirrored upside down there and do some other shit. So that was cool. But yeah, dude, South Korea is next level. Um, not unlike the Blue Jays, but uh, it's 
I, I I'll say this. I've traveled a fair bit. Um, you know, like I've gone to Europe, I've gone to Tokyo, I've LA, New York, Montreal, shit like that, out east, out west, whatever. But um I always kind of say, Oh, it sucks coming home, you know? You want to stay on vacation and things like that. But Seoul is the one place where I like legit get like anxiety and depression coming home because I love it there so much. Um, just the vibe of the whole city is and the country is really awesome. You know, everyone's really respectful. They take like great pride in their city and they take great pride in just everything around them. The city's super clean. Um, and like everything you do, like restaurants or even going to malls and shit like that, it's an experience. They, you know, they want to make you go there that you're just not going to fucking Eaton Center where it's just a bunch of stores and one fountain in the middle and like a couple those like steel birds that are hanging from the thing that have been there since the 80s, right? Like it's it, it's all about when you go and you experience things. And that's not just like their restaurants and the malls and shit, but it's like the city proper as well. They want they had this old like sewage stream in Seoul that they were like this is unacceptable. We got to clean this up. And what they did is they did a massive project to clean it up and then renovated it, essentially created like a river that cuts through the city. And it's now like a walkable, like city attraction that has pathways on both sides. It's got lights, it's got like the trees and it's got like pathways and shit like that. It's really, really cool. Um, food there is obviously, oh, oh the Korean chicken. And the Korean barbecue. Oh, well, I would imagine boys. it was Korean. And- <laughs> I know. I was like, do I call it Korean barbecue when I'm here? Right. Or do I just say barbecue or chicken? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's that awkward thing. Like, to them, they'd be like, what do you mean? It's just fucking chicken. You're yeah. not Korean chicken, but. I'm here for the Korean chicken. Well, they call it Korean fried chicken, right? Yeah. Because it's a different method of frying their chicken than fucking the kernel. But yeah, it was. Oh, I love it there. Um, spent some time on the beach in the southern city of uh, Busan to start. Um, that was really cool. Wife's family, you know, they're really awesome and they're really super excited to see her and her, you know, pregnancy level and, you know, that they're going to have another grandkid or grandniece too or however they call it. Um, we climbed a mountain in Seoul that... You know, got to the top, was all excited, and then you get up there, and it's just all fucking flies. Like, literally, it, it was like a black cloud, and I was like, take your fucking picture, hurry up, because <laughs> they're, like, buzzing around and smacking me in the face. But I, I got to say, one of the highlights, and it's very apropos for being on a sports podcast, it makes me realize, man, we do baseball wrong here. We really do. Like, October baseball is cool. Like, people get hyped, and they're cheering and stuff like that. But man, the passion of like Korean baseball fans for their teams is is something else. Like the whole game they're chanting. And the cool thing is, is like there, it's like an unspoken thing and it's not like dedicated for this, but it's understood that the uh, visiting team sits behind the dugout and that side of the stadium for their team. And then the home team sits behind the dugout or the home team side and whatever. And the teams chant back and forth against each other the whole game. So, you know, when um, so when the visiting team, which where we were, because the team we were supporting was Busan Giants, because that's where my wife was born. Um, 
so like when they're up to bat they're chanting and each player has a song or a chant that they're going nuts and then you know when the other team's up they do the chant and it's like everyone's into it and it was just it was such a cool experience it was very reminiscent of soccer and it was just like the whole game um and just like the food you get at the stadium like chicken in a cup that's on top of another cup that has your beer in it so it's like a bowl of chicken fried chicken right and then that bowl has like a hole cut out in the middle that's raised wait hold on sorry so the bowl itself is chicken yeah like no it's the like, bowl is plastic like those, but it's like it's, fried chicken in it yeah it's like those okay, nacho hats where the yeah. it has like the cheese in the middle you know but like it's chicken right with the beer cup holder in the middle yeah i feel like i saw something like that at yankee stadium but i don't remember specifically what so, it was i have this i don't know i have this theory about chants and stuff at korean baseball as opposed to anywhere else like Obviously, soccer and football was probably more popular there before baseball, right? Like in Europe and Asia and all these places, they were soccer was <clears throat> infinitely more of a popular sport. Well, before. more so now because they have Buddy from yeah, what's the, like but, Arsenal um, and Manchester. But so you that culture for sport was there first, and then baseball mm-hmm. was layered on top where we had like soccer wasn't as popular here. So other sports established culture and then soccer. So it's like almost we learned the wrong way. Cause like we, like we didn't get that culture first. Do you know what I mean? Like we didn't get yeah. European football culture first. If we had, if that was popular, I imagine the way we would treat sports like NFL football and baseball would be much, much different in our uh, fan reactions. But that's just a theory. Yeah, I just I just put a picture into general. I don't know if you're able to put that up onto the the feed here, but is this Maddie what Similar, you're yes. talking about? Yeah, except I guarantee you at Yankee Stadium, how much do you think that costs you? God. I mean, chicken tenders alone's got to be at least 15 bucks, right? And then plus I don't the beer plus the beverage, right? So in this case, if it's a non-alcoholic drink, We'll add on another ten bucks. That's gotta be twenty-five bucks. If it's beer, then we'll say up to thirty dollars. So in Korea, that's twelve dollars. <laughs> oh. Canadian? Oh. Yeah, you're Bruh. a white devil. You're a white devil there, man, for sure. They were like, Look Dude, at this honestly, rich, rich I, white boy. I, I thank God my wife's pregnant because there's no way I would go and get sauced and have her deal with essentially a giant child while pregnant <laughs> with our future <laughs> child. Because and I know like we're going back in April or May. Um, after Le Bambino, or in Korean, Eggy is born. Um, and her family's full out like, oh no, go enjoy, we'll watch the kid or whatever. And tentatively got a couple friends coming. It's going to be Greece City at that baseball game. I know <laughs> it. It's going to be, and because it's cheap. Like a beer itself there is like six They're, bucks. This is gonna be the only drunk white guy. They're, this man's getting kicked out for sure. They're like, <laughs> White Yo, they love me there. I was at Coca-Cola Coliseum yesterday, and I got one of those 700 milliliter beers. Yeah. Like 710 milliliters, whatever. It was $17. Yeah. We, yeah. we pay, okay, our cost of living here for certain things, and obviously given the current climate of the world, it's, you know, going up. But man, their two liter bottle of water at the convenience store, $1.20. 
Yeah, but that's that's U U.S. capitalism, right? Like that's like corporate profit margin commitments. Like politicians have to make certain. Like when you're talking about the cities and stuff, like we suffer from an inflated political environment where like there's a lot of a lot of bureaucratic money. It just yeah, gets no, lost for sure. in the system, right? But I digress. The baseball game was fantastic. Um, there's a guy called Lee Dae-ho who is considered the greatest baseball player in Korean baseball history. He actually played for the Mariners. Dude's first game was a pinch hit walk-off home run for the Mariners. So I kind of want to get a Lee Dae-ho Mariners jersey. Um, and he wears number 10, so obviously God tier. But the baseball game was sick and just... Yeah, like I said, is they just take such pride in everything they do. Like it could be, you know, just whether it's their job, whether it's taking care of their city, whether it's, you know, providing an experience for things. Like you go to like even simple things as like going to get dessert or a cafe, it's art to them. You know, like it's it's nuts. And just everyone there is we're here, you know, you get a lot of the things where it's like on a Tuesday night, you can message a friend and be like, Hey, you want to go watch a game somewhere? And you'll be like, Oh man, it's like seven o'clock. I'm kind of tired. I got to be up in the morning work, but like, let's, let's, you know, maybe let's do this on like Friday or Saturday. Right there. No, not, no one is inside before like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. Everyone's out doing shit. Streets are packed. Bars are packed. Restaurants are packed. Cafes are packed. It's, I, I love it there to the point that we're like legitimately thinking of if there's a way we can buy a property and like rent it out, but then like every other year travel there for like three, four weeks out of the year. And then that way we take like my brother and all he has to worry about is plane tickets and there's a place to stay and shit like that. And just, yeah, it was, I, I love it. I'll go there every time. I don't need to go anywhere else in my life. I can just vacation there all the time. And welcome to the real estate corner. But I, I think what could be, and I don't know if this is a normal thing in South Korea, but is there an option for like a home that has a like a basement unit or like a secondary unit attached to it? And then you can rent that in perpetuity. And then you right. would move, like you would vacation there whenever you needed without having to like kick out the tenant when you do it. Right. So in Asia specifically, well, that I know mostly of like Japan and korea and then also by proxy because i've from what i've told uh, or what i'm told by other friends is china's very similar they build up and not out so like houses are out like way outside of seoul or busan or which is the second biggest sense. city so like at that point it's like i would have to almost buy a car rent a car when i'm there and it's like you kind of like just walking out and you're in the city like that's where we we stood we stayed in this place called Hongdae which is like a very vibrant kind of like entertainment-ish area but it's not it's not noisy it's loud but not noisy if you get what i mean where it's like there's no there's you know stuff going on but it's not annoying like downtown the people yelling at each other construction cars honking and shit like that it's just people having fun. All the shops, they have roll around or roll out windows and doors and shit like that. And they all play music and stuff. And people are just, yeah, man, it's awesome. But I would love to get a place like that and just rent out the bottom unit and then just be like, yo, we're going to be here for three weeks in May. So 
you better make sure you're not fucking shit up. Um, you know who may also may also be looking for a career in real estate is uh, Tua Tungabaloa, who may need to find a new line of work based on how poorly this situation has been handled. So if you recall, it was week three, and Tua got hit and got up and then fell over. And I think anyone with a pair of eyes would have said, this, dude, this dude's bell just got rung. Like he is, like his legs are no longer underneath him. Like the, the lights are on, but nobody's home. That's the whole sort of thing. And he came out of the game and he was evaluated. And after the evaluation, he was allowed to continue playing that game. Fast forward to Thursday Night Football. And not only is Tua playing in this game, after you know, showing significant signs of head trauma, it's also being played on short rest, where he didn't have a full week to prepare for this. He played on Sunday, got his bell rung, presumably, and then is playing a few days later on Thursday Night Football. Now, in the Thursday night game, which is now only a few days ago now, he got wrapped up and thrown to the turf. And I don't know about you guys, but when I saw that play, and they showed that play over and over and over again, and that's another conversation for another day of like, at what point do you stop showing like an injury, right? But it almost seemed like on the way down, his head was already jacked up on the way down. Like the... I, it just didn't seem like a natural way to take that bump. And when he went down, the back of his head smacked into the turf, and he had no idea where he was. Like, he had lost all control over his limbs. You can see his, like, fingers all curled up and shit. It was really gnarly looking. Yeah. the dude. Literally, so much so that he got taken out on a stretcher. He literally got frozen in time. Like, it, it was... Yeah. It was his, body, it, his body shut down was like... We can't, you can't be moving. Yeah. And like, you're right. They played it so many, like my stomach was ill, dude. Like it was ill watching this. And I don't know if it was ill from, from like, oh, like almost feeling like what the head felt like, or the fact that I know that this guy is on three days rest. Do you know what I mean? And like you said, anybody with a fucking brain in their head watching Sunday knew that there was there was no back issue you know yeah that's a good point so the, the argument or not the argument what we were told and the reason why he was able to re-enter the game on uh, sunday's week three game was that it wasn't a head injury it was a, a back, back issue and like he had some i don't remember what they called it they had some slang term for what happened to his legs it, it like his back and some the nerves in his back like weren't controlling his legs properly and whatever. But like, I don't know, man. Like last I checked, Dude, I, I ain't no doctor. I, I Chris, just play a doctor on a podcast. Chris <laughs> Nowinski, former WWE professional wrestler, superstar, who is a Harvard graduate and now doctor. specializes. Yeah, he's a doctor. He now specializes in head trauma. Tweeted not four hours before the game, before Thursday's game, before this happened. If two also, plays sorry, in this quickly cut you off. Judge hit the 62. Oh, good for him. I'll have to watch highlight. I just turned that game off to watch wrestling. I'm an idiot. <clears throat> um, 
Some guy fell in the bullpen trying to catch it. Are you shitting me? I I swear to God, it looks like I'm watching the highlight. Sorry, because my friend texted me. He's like, "Judge hit it." <laughs> yep, someone someone fell into the bullpen. Good for him. Well, breaking news. <laughs> Good for that. I'll, guy. I'll send it in the Discord. <clears throat> but, but continue, um, Tua. He tweeted not four hours before the game. If Tua plays in this game, that's a like gross malpractice by the NFL. The NFL, everyone involved, really. And here's where where things break down for me, man. The guy gets hit on Sunday. He somehow makes it back into the game. That's uh, missed checkpoint number one, right? Missed checkpoint number two is that the coach stands in front of everyone at a press conference and says, it's a, it's the back. The head coach, right? Then that's checkpoint number two. Checkpoint number three, he's allowed to play Thursday, right? Not even and like I, a there, following Sunday, a Thursday. And there were, there were NFL players that said that as a player, you're the type of person that's like, I'm going back in. I'm going back in. And like, you know what? Tua might have gone back in. But I forget who the player was, and forgive me for not remembering. But they were saying, and maybe it was Richard Sherman on Thursday night after it happened, or Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't remember who it was. They gave credit to teammates who, when they had a concussion, the teammates said, like, fuck you, sit down. Like, you're not going back in. And so for me, it's on every single person. The doc, like the doctor got let go, but it's on every teammate, the head coach, every single person who watched Sunday and then said, and then just sat there and watched. Like, how old's this kid? Like, he's not that old. He's like 23, not, ma- not that it matters, but you're let this 23 year old kid go out there with meatloaf brain after Sunday and get. And like, here's the thing. He wasn't just hit. And what you might have saw, Dustin, is maybe he got whiplash on the first that's hit. That's 100% what I think happened. Yeah. When like, he got pulled back, I think that's where his neck got And he got almost got like German time. suplexed. Yeah. To the ground. And it's like, but like, it wasn't like a German suplex in WWE where they lift you and they kind of place you. It was like a full on like whip. I don't care where you're going. You're going down. You know? And it's just like... There's like, well, two is out for the season. Bro, I wouldn't be surprised if they say he can't play again. And if you're a Tua, uh, what are you risking? Knowing what we know, and here's the dumb thing about the NFL and doctors, and if you're the Dolphins, if you're the fucking Dolphins and the doctor's like, sure, I would be running down there panicking after watching the last 15 years of lawsuits and tragedies like you you don't you want another junior sale on your hands was it junior well, there's also the who is it that box player that got a concussion and then went back into the game literally like the the sunday after two was thing yeah i i, I, I don't know who it was well, um, but so the doctor involved um is not is, is an unaffiliated doctor with the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills. So uh, supposedly, according to multiple sources, this doctor has been let go for making several mistakes during this evaluation. Although I think both the league and the players union have not confirmed that this guy has been let go. But supposedly, according to ESPN, this guy has been let go. But how I guess what I'm saying is there are so many 
with what we know now about head trauma, there's beyond that doctor. Like, sure, that doctor, gross malpractice and gross misuse of responsibility, right? How, you know, a fan ran onto the field on Monday night. How does a fan not run onto the field and be like, this man can't play? Uh, speaking of uh, fan on the field, so I just saw the highlight of Aaron Judge hitting that home run. Uh, I don't know if James, if you are able to pull it up on was... the actual uh, podcast here, but no, it'll fuck up the camera. Uh, Matt, Maddie, you are right. Um, uh, someone did fall into the bullpen, but he was nowhere near the play. Like he was no. like seven seats over. <laughs> yeah, fell into the bullpen. Like, what's this guy doing? I yeah, wonder that's... if he thought the ball landed there and he was gonna try and go get it. Oh yeah, okay, maybe. Okay, that that, uh-huh. that makes sense, I guess. But I would have to play back the replay again. Yeah. But but if he God hits damn, his head, dude, like, do you think they're gonna let him back in the game? <laughs> that man <laughs> hits his head on the way down. But you know what I mean? Like, there's there were so many checks and balances from that moment on Sunday up until the moment on Thursday that like as much as the doctors at fault, this blame is shared across all facets of football. Well, the Miami coach deserves to be fired. That's for sure. Like the NFL has to like, and that's the thing is obviously the NFL is not going to take the fall for this. They're going to be like, we're just the league. Like you're the team. You should be taking care of this. Your doctors and the independent doctor, they fired the independent doctor because he's tied to no one. So they're like, whatever, he's a scapegoat. He's easy to fire. Now, if I'm the NFL, you know, like where does more blame land? I, it's easy to hate the league for this, but at the same time, I, I would say that they did what they were supposed to and fired the independent doctor and said, you're gone. Now, if I'm them, I go to the team and say, someone's head has to roll for this. No pun What's, intended. What does it take for the NFL to have the power for a medical suspension? You know, to say, we're going to suspend you for medical reasons. And like, we're not confident that you can play. Like if I was the NFL after Sunday, I would have like, if this even existed, I would have medically suspended to a tag of Viola or tag of Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's Tonga Vailoa is how you pronounce it, but I could be wrong. Tonga Vailoa, you're right. I've got it up here. I wrote it. I don't know. Um, do you know what I mean, though? Like, why isn't a medical suspension a thing? Like, you need, like, at some point, these guys need to be protected from themselves and from the teams that are like, and maybe the NFL in some way, you know, they don't want to uh, not showing up on the Amazon Prime Thursday game. That's bad for business. So maybe that's maybe that's part of it too, right? It's funny because when the injury first happened in week three and Teddy Bridgewater came into the game, I remember saying to you guys, like, this might be an upgrade for the Miami offense. Like, I understand Tua's a great player. He's a great athlete. But Teddy Bridgewater is not a bad quarterback. So, again, it comes down to, like, why was Tua put in that situation to even play on short rest on Thursday? Like, he's even of the quality that it's, like, Tom Brady versus whoever the backup is or Lamar Jackson versus whoever the backup is. Like you could look at say with the experience and past results versus what Tua has not shown. Realistically, it's you're again, better off having Bridgewater in probably since week two. (laughs) But that's what I mean. I think they need a, uh, I think they need some sort of authority to step in and say, you know, that that are going to protect teams from themselves and protect players from themselves because yeah. it, can, it can't continue. Like 
this is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Well, if he never plays again, that's at minimum you're looking at players 80, drafted in the same in 80, the same round versus eighty to ninety million. Yeah, bottom line because you could say you could say lost potential wages yeah. of saying like play or similar type position, so quarterback in drafted in the same round versus earning potential over x years in the average of those guys you could say that 75 percent of that yeah he's probably looking at minimum 80 million so i just went to e, uh, ea.com to look up madden nfl ratings for players in this year's game Tua a Vailoa is rated 78 overall in madden teddy bridgewater is rated 82. 72 72 overall <laughs> So it's a six overall difference, according to EA Sports and well, Madden. Not not just EA Sports. Chad Ochocinco has input into the ratings. So that, but that's so again. I get, but but and Dustin, you know as well as I do. A guy, two guys can be great wrestlers, but who's going to sell tickets? And that's the problem. Like to his name, for Dolphins and for Thursday Night Football, sells tickets because he was a high, hot new draft pick. The, and the tickets are sold regardless. Yeah. It's football. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about seats. I'm not talking about butts and seats. I'm talking about viewership to Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, a relatively new partner. Like, I, I'm not excusing it. I'm saying that's that's probably part of the reason why nobody wants to pull them out of this game. Like, they're, having, they're probably having a hard time enough selling Thursday Night fucking football with games like Browns versus Steelers. Like, if... If one of the premier three and O Dolphins quarterback decides not decides but can't play, I imagine they they take a viewership hit, right? And I not that that's more important than a guy's brain. I would say yes, but like I don't think the hit would be as bad as you think it is. Just strictly with the amount of money that's on the line with these games, I think regardless what would happen is betting lines would change, but the viewership would still exist. So. Um- off slightly off topic, I did just rewatch the Aaron Judge home run, and uh, Buddy literally like before the ball even came into his vicinity. Like I would say that ball is still 30, 40, 50 feet He's away from him in the air, and he jumped into the bullpen. Yep. <laughs> so that guy should be arrested, um, and we'll. Hopefully so he get definitely did it. He did it. That's the TV dive, man. He did it for the ESPN highlight of the it's night. It's Jack. <laughs> that's what it was he did it for the fame he did it to be internet famous yeah so i don't know it's a pretty shitty thing to do and <laughs> uh speaking of shit uh also one of the highlights of this week's nfl schedule was dk metcalf being taken out on a cart and uh normally when you see guys getting carted off the field is usually a bad injury in some way like the to a tongue of Iloa injury that we were just talking about. But in this particular case, uh, TK Metcalf just really had to poop. Yo, man. <laughs> I, have you... Okay. And I'm not going to ask because I know we've all been there. When you have one that's ready to clap your cheeks coming out your butt, you can't walk that one off. Dude, it's the call of nature. He said that the clinch walk wouldn't have worked. Yeah, he literally tweeted that. Yeah. He, he retweeted the TSN video and then said the, that clinch walk wouldn't have made it. Yeah, it's that's the worst. I, we've all been there where you're getting closer to the bathroom and you can't get in there fast enough. Dude. And it's always you always struggle with the buckle at that point. Okay, it's for I'm some gonna, reason you forget how to undo a belt. I'm going to share a story 
and it's not it's going to be a little TMI, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to be brave for the entertainment factor on this podcast. When I was in high school, probably grade 12, I went to a Leafs game with a buddy of mine at the time. And we went to Who was it? Uh, sorry? Who was it? I'm not going to name them on the show, but I went with a buddy of mine. And uh, we left the from way the he's Whippy. A buddy of mine at the time makes me seem it makes it seem oh, like we don't it's talk, no longer. No, we don't talk anymore. That's all. It's just we yeah, just okay. separate ways. Um, we took the train, the go train in from Whippy. Went in, had some street meat on the way in. So that's mistake number one. Uh, <laughs> watched the Leaf game. Had more street meat on the way out. Mistake number two. By the time we got to the go station at like eleven o'clock at night. In Whippy, dude, I had to take the biggest shit in in the history of shits that I've ever taken. I remember being like, oh my God. Like, so I get I go in the ghost station. So apparently at this time, the the bathrooms are locked at night. Like you can't which is kind of like fucked because like you know, the trains run like I don't they run all night or they they run past eleven. Like people might still need to use the bathroom. So anyway. I'm like panicking now and I have like sweats because like, like you said, the call call of nature, you can't, you can't, you can't not pick up. Like there's no, there's no leaving that conversation on red. So like I went, you know, the tunnel where you go under the train, like at go stations where you go from side to side, like if you're going eastbound to westbound or whatever. Right. So there's like, you go (laughs) like at, like at Liberty village where you go under Yes, and it's yeah, like concrete. I, yeah. I think he's just calculating where this where this yeah, story. Like I'm going. trying to calculate where that is in uh, Union Station, but I guess we're talking about Union Station like 20 years ago. So no, we're uh, Whippy. We're in Whippy now. Whippy Station. Oh, you're in the Whippy Station. Sorry, I'm thinking yeah. you're still at Union, going back to Whippy. Gotcha. So I'm I'm trying to find anywhere like a uh, bathroom or whatever, and as I get down, I realize I'm not going to make it, dude. So I find a corner and I pop a squat in the corner of this fucking train station. And deliver pure DQ soft serve right <laughs> right in the corner. And then I hear something. This couple comes down the stairs, sees me, full on deer in headlights. I'm like, I look, I make eye contact with this couple mid soft serve delivery. Like, dude, and it wasn't like if it was a dairy queen, but I would have failed. They would have turned it up upside down and they would have had to make another one. That's and I remember, like, I had to, I had to take my pants off because they were destroyed. <laughs> I had to wipe my ass with the program from the Leaf game, <laughs> and they were, they were garbage at the time, so it was worth it. And I had to take I a you were cab. Saying, like you wiped your ass with your pants after you took. Them no, off. I had to take a cab <laughs> back to this. <laughs> I had to take a cab back to this dude's house, his grandmother's house, which is where we were staying, and I had to wash my clothes. And I was just in my boxers and a sweater tied around my waist, like a skirt. And I had to wash my clothes in this dude's, like, and the grandma's washing machine. And the cab driver's like, what's that smell? And I, like, lied. I was like, I puked. Because I was like, I don't want someone to shit myself. And I left, we're, I left my cell phone in my pants and washed my cell phone. So not only did I shit my pants. Was that the no days? Yeah, I, and I lost a cell phone out of it. So, yeah, I long story long, I totally sympathize with DK Metcalf. If I had a cart, I would have taken a cart too. 
Uh, I think we've all have a story like that. I won't oh, tell yeah. mine because I don't think we have time for this. But me neither. Uh, we I definitely have, have had a, a situation like that where I was in public and like I didn't just yobagoya in public like you did. <laughs> yo, but, but, yo, big reference. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, there was. You a, like a, I did. You say it like I had an option, dude. There, <laughs> there were no. This was yeah, a no. choice, sir. That's that's Magneto from X Men. Peace was never an option. Yeah, peace was never an option that <laughs> night. Uh, Jim, Jim knows my story, but like what it would be, it's you can't like it's it's game over and it's the worst feeling ever because you oh. know you don't control it you know it's like doomsday yeah. your your end is coming and <clears throat> but the thing is though no matter how destroyed my pants were and, and how embarrassed i was dude boy did i fucking feel good after dude it was like oh yeah it was like i had it was like i achieved level 12 in scientology or something like i must have I, I i descended like it was the it was the greatest moment of my life you probably felt just as good as you would have felt if you had made a three-pick parlay based on our picks last week. Woo! Because all three of those hit last week. I picked the Chargers over the Texans, which paid. Oh, my God. Uh, James Hold on. the Vikings over the Saints, which paid. Yes. I was going to say, then, this guy's talking like, I made the solid pick of the Chargers over the tax. Go fuck. That game was <laughs> over within the first snap. I'm just saying, if you made a parlay based on our picks, we you would have 20 bucks. <laughs> you would have won like, yeah, 20 bucks. They were all favorites. We all picked favorites. Yeah. They were all favorites. Bet so 10, win 14. Jackson. Like that's, yeah. But uh, Maddie also pilled, uh, picked the Bills over the Ravens, which also paid. What? So uh, the current standing. Can you say that are, one again? Uh, the Bills over the Ravens. Um, Maddie is currently in the lead with two wins. Uh, myself and James both have one. So that now takes us to week five. What is our locked in picks? Mine's an easy one. The Giants are in shambles at the quarterback position right now. And the Packers are just starting to get rolling with uh, Dobbs looking to be the number one wide receiver there now in uh, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers at least developing some sort of chemistry with somebody not named Randall Cobb. So I'm taking the Packers over the Giants for my week five pick. Lock it in. James, over to you. The Monday Nighter, I watched the Manning cast because, again, the Manning cast is so fucking awesome. The best thing in sports right now. Best thing in sports. Uh, They had the 49ers and the Rams. Dude, this... Our boy Maddie here was pimping the Rams real big at the start of the year. They're looking pretty rough right now. And the San Francisco 49ers, listen, Jimmy G's got this team on lock. I'm taking Jimmy G and the 49ers over the Carolina Panthers. If you want to talk about easy dubs, that's pretty, I think that's pretty easy dub too. But uh, I think I think the Panthers are going to start locking it in here. And once Is Kittle back from injury? I believe so. Yeah, I think he played last week. You know, I, I, I think the 49ers, the Jimmy G's familiar territory for these guys, I think they're on the path. They're on the path in this division. Taking the 49ers. So Matty, I don't have your pick, so I have no idea where yours is going to be. I'm taking the Vikings over the Bears. I'm doing that because the Bears don't know how to put up any points. <laughs> You're going to say the Bears don't know how to play football. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just been the case for the past like 30 years. But uh, since, like, what, Mike Ditko is the last decent team they had? I mean, 
Matt Forte was good back in the day, I guess. Yeah, the Urlacher Forte days, yeah. Was that Brian Greasy at quarterback? But they weren't like... They were fine, yeah. but they weren't good. They weren't contenders. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to take Vikings over the Bears. I'm going to save some of the other teams we were, you know, spitting about early. Uh, I just think the Vikings, not surprising people, but I think they're meeting but probably exceeding expectations a little bit at this point in the season. Dude, if, well, Dalvin Cook's hurt. Um, and if they had any other quarterback, I would pick them as Super Bowl favorites. Uh, but they're a good team. What, what surprised me, and I know we didn't want to spend a lot of time, but like the NFL to date, there's been a lot of disappointing individual performances <clears throat> in the NFL I've noticed this year. Like, um, some like of Justin like, Fields still looks like he doesn't know how to play anything outside of high school football. Dude, and, and what about uh, Javante Williams and Russell Wilson and the whole Denver offense? Like, they, they don't even look... Sorry? We ride. <laughs> Right, Russell they're Wilson. riding to where? Like they, they don't even look like they're reading the same playbook in Denver. Like it's it's a really odd year for for the performances of certain players. That like I really thought you know, um, well like Montgomery would be like all right. I mean, but then you go and look at the Lions, and these guys are exploding. They have the most touchdowns in the league, the Detroit Lions with eighteen, which is crazy. Um, and of course, you know. Uh, Zach Wilson had a touchdown last week, a receiving touchdown, uh, and the Jets win over the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, on a double reverse. Um, the MILF Hunter is coming for you. You just watch. All. <laughs> <laughs> no, he honestly, that dude's got street cred for the rest of his life. He does. And I mean, he, he had a good, for, like, he looked rusty up until the fourth. The fourth, he looked great. And I'm going to talk about the Jets a little bit here because they, they play the Dolphins. Listen, Mac Jones is hurt. The Bills don't look as invincible as they are. The Dolphins have Tua hurt, and like Bridgewater might be an upgrade. Listen. Listen. The division is a little bit more wishy-washy, and wishy-washy is good for the Jets. So, <laughs> Yo, the Jets can wishy-wash their ass into a playoff Brees, position. Brees, Brees Hall looks like, you know, Garrett Wilson. <clears throat> Dustin, you know, Garrett Wilson. I mean, I like Garrett Wilson. I don't like the production he's had since I've started him in fantasy football. But watch hey, in the I, one I, week you, you bench him, he's gonna have a nutty game. Before we I move agree. on, before we move on, on the Garrett Wilson Brees Hall piece, if you were the New York Jets, so Tyreek Hill this week said he would have been a Jet if it weren't for state taxes, right? <laughs> he I forgot about your, that. Yeah, I just want to looking now in retrospect, would you rather have Tyreek Hill? Or would you rather have Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, and Garrett Wilson? Sauce Gardner is the shit. He's a black hole. I, I know what you're getting at. And obviously, I would rather have three useful pieces than one. So I'm all day I'm taking the three guys. But yeah. I think Terry like, Kill I'm has shown thus far this year that he was a much bigger part of that Kansas City offense than people were giving him credit for. Yeah, I don't I know. Kansas City looks like they haven't really missed a beat, though. Yeah, they have. They don't. They don't have that deep threat anymore. I mean, do they? Need Mahomes it? looks fine. I just don't think the offense is as dynamic, and they're still going to win games. No, and they're still yeah, going to. Sure. And they're still going to be good. They're just not going to have. They're not going to put up the numbers, right? Mahomes will find a way to win with the guys he has around him. 
and and from that standpoint, you're right. They haven't missed a beat. Like they they will win and they will still win. I just think they they aren't going to win by putting up the same numbers that they used to. But back to the important thing: the Jets. Uh, <laughs> we wear winners hats around here, so I just want to give a shout out to to that game because that game had uh, was you know Kenny Kenny Pickett. I think interesting for the Steelers to to see him show. Uh, and you know, I, at one point, I thought the Jets were going to give it up, and then they they overturned a call at the end of the game on Brees Hall for the Jets to get a winning touchdown. So. One time I actually like officials in sports. Also, I think maybe one week coming up, and I know we kind of briefly talked about this. At what point do, like, it's going to take a long topic. Do leagues start looking at leveling the playing field for teams in states or provinces that don't have higher, lower taxes and shit like that? But that's definitely a topic I think we talk about down the road. Yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely something we do need to touch upon in the show. Like it, it's an interesting conversation. We should oh, also yes. do a, yeah, a with mid-season. Tariq Hill saying that he's going. He went to the the Florida or with Miami specifically because of state tax. And mm. is he the first yes. pro athlete to openly declare that? Um, no, I think I I I guarantee you. Like, there's it no has way to have come up before. Everyone so like knows Stamco like, State in Tampa was for... Well, well not just that, but like think of LeBron and Bosch and Wade all resigning in Miami, right? Right, but did they all go, it was the taxes? Like Stamkos didn't go, hey guys, it was the taxes. Like, no, but like those were kind of known without being blatantly stated. That's what I'm saying. But I'm, I can guarantee you that there are players somewhere, somewhere, it may not be a big name guy or someone, whatever, but you know a guy right. signed... I mean, a guy speaking into a microphone for the media saying yes, um, yeah. it's probably some you know b-level player who said it he's like yeah i had other opportunities and blah 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 but i came here because you know decent team and no tax yeah interesting <clears throat> but yeah definitely one we should talk about yeah getting players with no tax or not having to pay income tax and a player receiving their salary without income tax definitely is a great deal for the player but I want to tell you about another great deal. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints from movies, comics, TV, and video games sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. That's on Instagram. Now Your Treasures. Dude. Send them a DM, 43.6, and receive 43% off. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. Make sure you go to Instagram, Now Your Treasures. Send them a DM, 43.6, to receive 43% off. Now, I would love to see a contract on the Toronto Maple Leafs that got a 43% discount as well. But I don't think we got that. Maybe we'll get it with deal. Austin Matthews. Uh, <laughs> no, that decision's <laughs> going to have to be made soon, I would imagine. The Toronto Maple Leafs are just about a week away from opening up the 2022-2023 NHL season. We are right on the cusp of it. And I suppose next week that means we have to do an NHL preview episode, which should be fun. 
But specifically, we wanted to talk about the Maple Leafs because this is 43.6 and it's a Toronto Sports Podcast, but also because uh, Rasmus Sandin finally signed a contract with the Maple Leafs. And it's only a two-year deal, so he's going to be an RFA by the end of this deal, which is good to know as well. But do you think it has anything to do with the fact that guys are just dropping like flies right now and all of a sudden they figured they have the money because they're going to dump a bunch of guys on IR? It wasn't about the money. For him, it was it was about position and role. He didn't want to be relegated to not being on the power play or being you know, a third option defenseman for a power play because we know the Leafs run four man, four forward unit on the power play. Um, and he didn't want to be a bottom pairing guy. Like he wanted more than his, the 16 minutes he was averaging. Um, <clears throat> and they were like, you kind of haven't earned that yet. And you will have no leg to stand on. You're not Arbeg eligible, which he will be at the end of this. Um, they were like, Lilligren performed well. This is the contract we gave him. We're willing to match it, which is the numbers that he signed for. And he held out for it. Now, he probably saw not the money aspect, but guys going down. He was like, well, they're going to have to force me into playing top four minutes now and probably be the second power play uh, option D-man instead of a third or a just-in-case type you know, utilization. So, yeah, I think guys going down, it was more about the role than the money. but. I mean, this is definitely a good contract win for the Leafs, especially getting two years, and he's still controllable outside of the ARB eligibility. So I like it. And he bought, he beefed up yeah. 178 to 194. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of poundage. Swedish, Swedish meatballs, boys. But um, the interesting thing about like Sandine is that I think <clears> – <throat> I think you can I think he's about 75% of the way there. I think you can for the most part trust him. There were a, a number of gaffes last year that were noticeable and that this is listen, I like the kid's game. He he does the Peter Forsberg ass hit on people all the time. It must be a Swedish thing. Um he he does have a little bit of an offensive upside uh to him where he can play the the second power play unit I think. I think, you know, he has a a potential slap shot that nobody on this Leafs defense has. So he does have some, some valuable pieces. I think, you know, he's got to stay healthy and he's got to play consistent consistently. And I think one of the things for him to play consistently is that, you know, there's a bit of a log jam now back on D, you know, if everyone's healthy in terms of NHL capable, I mean, I'm not saying fantastic options, you know, but NHL capable defensemen, well, specifically on the left side too, right? So, you know, something's probably going to have to give there. Um, again, I'm not going to pretend to know what it is, but um, there's a lot. Well, you know what I liked so far about this Leafs preseason, you know, with even with the Sandine signing, is that there's a lot of competition for spots. And, you know, this is something I've always wanted to see. It's not, you know, who can we get here by default? It's guys are fighting for the last, literally the five of the bottom six spots, uh, maybe four, four or five are open. Because, I, I mean, listen, I know Engvall's getting paid. You can't tell me that any one of those guys who's played in his absence has been any worse than Pierre Engvall at all. Like, I don't, I don't, 
Like you can't tell me as a coach, like you wouldn't take one of those guys over him. I don't, I don't. And again, this could be just typical Toronto sports Homer being like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just picking on the guy, but are you going to tell me that in, in, when we talk about guys that bring something different to the table for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Zach Austin Reese last year had 230 some odd hits, I think, or 261 hits, you know, and he's a defensive specialist. Like on the TSN broadcast last night, they were trying their best to get Austin Reese a contract with any other team than Toronto. Every other, every other minute they were like, he could sign anywhere else. He could just sign somewhere. Which to me says two things. One, he has an agreement in principle with Dubis. Like Dubis is just trying to figure something out. Um, but they also said he was probably one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL. And Pierre Engvall, pretty good defensive player, has a reach, can play the PK, had 66 hits last year. Let's like, when we talk about playoff elements and things, guys like Abe Kubel. And Austin Reese and that line of him, Kampf, and, and Abe Kubel is it, like that's those are the lines that win you championships. And you want like I know it's early in preseason again, typical Leaf plan the parade shit, but like that's exactly what this team's been missing. And so help me God, if Zach Austin Reese doesn't get a contract, I'm gonna lose my mind. No, I think it's already known that he's probably going to get it. The Leafs have one more contract spot to give, and it's probably going to him. Um, I mean, it looks like Nick Robertson finally decided to show up and commit himself properly to this instead of just being like, I'm going to go out there and skate my head off. Like, it looks like he came in here with a plan and a, a mindset of, I'm going to play hockey the right way, not just be a buzzsaw out there and buzz around and whatever. <laughs> so as Dustin <clears throat> wipes a fly from his face. I know. Hey, yeah, there's a fruit flies flying around. He's driving me nuts. Uh, so I think, um, Robertson and yarn Crocker probably penciled in to be that other forward with Tavares and Elander. Um, I think that third line's probably looking like your Kerfoot, you know, line, whoever they want to, fill out for that third line maybe comp kerfoot and somebody else and then that bottom line is probably your aston reese and you know I think, either i think you could have two third lines i think you could do aston reese comp kubel on the fourth and then kerfoot Yarncrock, and engval and then robertson tavares knee later but i think you might be over the cap the thing is 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 with Kerfoot. I've always I've kind of been critical of Kerfoot, but he made a play last night that they called out that I was like, holy shit. Like maybe he is a little more crafty than I, and they kept calling him crafty, and I'm like, maybe he is a little more crafty than I thought. When he was in front of the net waiting for the cross crease pass, the NHL EA Sports special, instead of instead of just standing there with a stick on the ice waiting for it, he went down on one knee. And they said it's because Sidney Crosby does this. It's to give whoever's passing you more to hit. And like, if it goes off your leg or goes off your glove into the net, like it'll count. So I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's actually pretty fucking clever. He could take it off the teeth. I'm I'm not a Kerfoot hater. Like some people are, I mean, he's, he's versatile. He's essentially your, your positional utility player of the MLB. 
You know, yeah. if you need him to play the penalty kill, he can. If you if a guy ben, goes down on injury and you need someone on the power play, he ben can Zobrist. play on the power play. Yeah. Yeah. He's the Ben Zobris of the NHL. He can play up and down. He he gets in on the forecheck. He gets you the puck. He has enough skill that he can play with skill guys and put the puck yeah. in the net. He's quick. You know, he doesn't give up. Honestly, I and during the playoffs, you've never had a complaint about Kerfoot. No. And the effort and the drive. Like he's never been the problem. So, you know, I, all these people being like, get rid of him and whatever. I mean, I think he's lived up to his contract in terms of just strictly by utility. Uh I I do think if they sign Aston Reese, you're it unfortunately probably pushes Robertson to start down in the AHL just for them to figure out the cap. They may tell him, like, look, this is strictly going to be a paper transaction. But they'll figure some shit out. And also, too, we also have to remember Lilligren's on long term. So there's a couple things that to be aware of. So one, Lilligren, yes, is injured. But all, so is John Tavares. But so there's... You, but you can't put Tavares guys on L- to be back. You can't put guys on LTIR until opening night. You have to be cap compliant until then. And then you can put them on... LTIR. So that's they're gonna have to maneuver some shit before. Uh, yeah, that's that. why I say Robertson's probably gonna be a paper transaction. Where so, like, but, even, but that's not even enough. They're gonna they're two also, and a half million dollars over. They're like two point eight over. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of fan dangling they're gonna have to do, and also consider that like uh, Maddie, you mentioned they have the one more contract to give, and you think that you know it's possible that we could see that go to Aston Reese, but. Also consider that Matthew Nyes is on the radar too, and if they only have one co- roster spot left. So it's this is you don't where, have to worry about it till April. So yeah, but this is yeah, and this is where I think Elliot Friedman reported the Leafs are looking at a multiple player for possibly a defenseman that's already cleared waivers or his that they can move up and down so that they have some flexibility. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a two for one out the door for somebody back who's probably a little lower on the depth chart for the roster leaves clear some cap space maybe they get a pick back in return for the value because obviously we're gonna be sending value out um i wouldn't be as surprised to see that kind of transaction um so yeah i don't know it doesn't necessarily have to be value either like it could very easily be something like kyle clifford and joey anderson Right, like, it's but that's not going to be enough. Like, if you're two point eight million dollars over, you're going to need no, to send. That's, that's enough. Oh, like for... you're trying. Okay, sorry, I was under the assumption that you're trying to figure out the contract situation to get one more oh, no, availability. I'm... But if you want to get both birds stoned at yeah. once here, then I no, just, honestly, okay. you're, it's an easy solution. You trade Angval for a seventh round pick. You, and, you can't and, trade Angval because you just signed Angval, so that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um. And you need Hall so is the, Hall if is that's the... the case. It's yeah. It's Hall or it's. Kerfoot, and that's the conversation we've had all summer. Hall, yeah. Hall is or, not happening. They, they or, need right-handed defensemen. Or it's Jake Muzzin. Or sure. Jake Muzzin just never plays again. Right? Like, I don't I don't know. Like, we're going to see some wild shit in this last week from the Leafs GM. Um, and I also just, the last thing I'm going to say about their preseason, again, I know it's early, but good performances, no matter when, can be confidence builders. And I just want to point out that I did say in a tweet that I was more confident of Matt Murray returning to Stanley Cup form than Jack Campbell performing at his his peak performance last year. And Matt Murray has looked very solid in his preseason appearances. And I, yes, I know it's only preseason, 
I will say this though. Like I, I think Murray's in a better situation than Campbell currently is. To be honest, I do think Toronto's a better team on paper than the Oilers overall. Um, and the one thing I will say also about the Leafs preseason, they just, these guys look like they're in mid-season form already. Like they came in all business. I think it's the competition. I think that's part of it. I think guys are, guys are amped. There's guys who want to make this team, right? I'll say that Nylander looks like he's in mid-season form. That dude looks like he's ready to stomp on some throats. And Odog said the same thing as me, man. Nylander is a great player. He just needs to, it's just the work. If he had the work, that guy would be unstoppable. And Dustin, I know you're chomping to say something. Um, I, so I had a couple of things to say. One, we'll talk a lot more about this next week when we do our NHL preview episode. But I think from now on, I have to discontinue the use of ESPN.com because out of nowhere, if you were watching on YouTube, you would have saw me just lose my mind out of <laughs> yeah, nowhere. I thought you were talking about I, me I, and the Matt Murray thing. I thought that would, yeah. No, no, no. I, I couldn't even hear you guys anymore. All of a sudden, an ad started playing on this website. And the way my audio levels are, like, if some audio is coming through on my desktop that I'm not aware of, the volume might be jacked. And, like, I was startled, to say the least, when this ad came on. And I'm, now I'm trying to find, like, what tab is open. Like, why yeah. is this happening? And I'm closing stuff, and that's not doing it. And then, I, it, yeah, it was ESPN. So, uh, fuck you guys, ESPN, and your stupid goddamn website just plays ads out of nowhere. He's got so, the hub. He's got the hub. He's got a pop-up that he's, uh, he's yeah. got. He doesn't know where it is. But uh, I will, like, so, and the other thing with the Leafs, too, is they've surrounded Matt Murray with the tools to, for, like, for like for him to succeed. He They hired his old goalie coach, like the guy who basically raised him as a goalie. Is now his like personal goalie consultant, which is well. They've also insulated him with Samsonov, right? They, you know, in Ottawa, they signed, they traded for him, they gave him the big contract, and said you're the guy, and they just put all this pressure on him. And I think yes, there's pressure here, especially with the history of the Leafs, and considering that the whole talk has been they need a goalie, they need a goalie. But I think with Samsonov, one, he's got competition to kind of keep him focused, and. Two, I think it kind of a support structure as well a little bit because as much as, yes, it's competition, goalies are a fraternity within the fraternity of hockey that, you know, as much as they may want to push each other, they don't want to like, they want to at least support each other as well. So, you know, I think, like I said, just positionally in terms of, you know, where he is in the situation, he's much better situation here than he was in Ottawa. When is the first Leafs game? October 12th. What's the date today? The fourth? Okay. It'll be Thursday, I think. Yeah, and then they have back-to-back on the 13th. So we do have time next week to do like an opening night line prediction. Or should we do that now? Because by then it'll be... No, no, because the season starts on the 11th. We will will have a show prior to their... Yeah, we have a show prior to it. And then all preseason games will be done by then because I think the last one's Saturday against Detroit. Yeah, so we'll have a better idea of what the Maple Leafs will look like going into the 2022-2023 season next week on the program. However, this week on the program, we still want to talk a bit more hockey. And in this particular case, we want to talk about the tire fire that is Hockey Canada. So here's the thing. It's hard to sum up everything that's happened so far in uh, Hockey Canada. But it seems like there's a lot of money coming in and not a lot of great accountability of where the money is going. 
And it seems as though a lot of the money being spent by this organization happens to be for, uh, I don't know, they call it slush funds a lot in the media. Um, it, it appears to be going to uh, hush people. And it seems... Expensive dinners, <laughs> rings. It, it's, it seems suspect. You know, if, if we want to go back to our Among Us days, it's very sus <laughs> what the... Uh, Hockey Canada is up to now the interim board chair, Andrea Skinner today. And this is brought to us by our friend Rick Westhead. If you're not following Rick Westhead on Twitter, you should be. It's R Westhead on Twitter, all lowercase. And apparently that matters. I, I learned that recently that <laughs> Twitter handles are case sensitive. So R Westhead, all lowercase is where this came from. But the quote was, and the quote is from Andrea Skinner, who is the interim board chair of Hockey Canada. I think that there will be... I think there will be very impactful in the negative way to our... Okay, let me try it again. I think that will be very impactful in a negative way to our boys and girls who are, who are playing hockey. Will, will the light stay on the rink? I don't know. We can't predict that. And to me, that's not a risk worth taking. Now, that's in response to being asked whether the uh, leaders of Hockey Canada should be removed. It just seems like they don't care, and they honestly think that they are so great, and no one in the world could possibly do this job other than them. So regardless of what they have done in the past, or what they're accused of doing, or accused of not doing, they can't possibly be replaced, because Hockey Canada will not survive without these uh, alleged leaders. Well, it sounds to me, it sounds to me like a bunch of people with uh, a cushy situation in fear of losing that cushy situation of millions of dollars coming in right like they were asked in these the heritage committee in the uh, and Bob Nicholson apparently is next to come up and speak in the next meeting just after Thanksgiving it sounds to me like a lot of like they were asked about things not just so apparently and again, forgive me for not doing the journalistic thing and finding all of this, but apparently there was another separate fund that wasn't uh, disclosed specifically for uh, sexual offense accusations. Uh, and then they were asked today about things like $5,000 steak dinners, um, $3,000 championship rings, to which Michael Brindamore when asked about the dinners, if it if we did have those, it was probably an event, which isn't the question. Like there was a lot of question dodging today, and a lot of you know the MPs, which is great. Listen, it's also great to see bipartisan politics in a space like this where nobody gives a fuck if they're liberal or conservative or NDP or whatever. They're all focused on understanding what happened here and, and what's going on. Oh, they're still posturing still. Well, it's still, yes, but there's nobody's, they're not accusing each other here. That's not, that's not what's happening. Um, the, the amount of times that they, that the people answering questions, whether it be Michael Brindamore, Andrew Skinner had to be asked just to answer the question. Um, I think Brindamore was asked multiple times if he thought, if he supported the CEO staying as a CEO and he couldn't answer yes until like four or five times of being told just to answer the question. 
So it's pretty clear here that there's this group of people that really are just clinging to these positions either because they know when they're gone, they're going to be in a lot of shit or they're going to lose these cushy, I don't have to do anything, but I get a ton of money and perks jobs for nothing. Um, Andrea Skinner even refused to hand over uh, an internal investigation report to the Heritage Committee, which lo- it looks really bad. Anytime you refuse to hand over a report, like, like what, unless it's unless it's damaging, like what do you have to lose? So I don't know if that was her specifically, but I, the the situation in question you're talking about is like during the Heritage Committee uh, Hockey Canada's hearing on June twentieth. MPs asked to see Hockey Canada's report on the 2018 alleged sexual assault in London, but Hockey Canada refused. Now, I don't know if it was her specifically that refused, but it, like the, the way Katie it's Strang, written here, it says Hockey think, Canada's refused. Yeah, I think Katie Strang had had her that refused. She said not at this time or, or okay. no. Um, but but I'm, I'm just looking at what uh, Rick West had said, but like if there's another report that said it, I don't doubt it. Yeah, I, I, so, but that's bad. Like They really don't want to talk about that, and they really don't want to talk about what happened in Halifax. Because there's a there's a video there's proof, and you know it's it's gonna be like there's you think this stuff is is bubbling like there's gonna be a reckoning real bad I think before the end of next year where you know a lot of a lot of these NHL players that were on those teams and a lot of you know let me say this when Sheldon Kennedy calls for the resignation of the management of Hockey Canada, it's it's time that they move on. Like Sheldon Kennedy's a pretty and he's probably a really good candidate to take one of those positions, I would say. I don't you know, for a guy who's done his experience and done his legwork in the community, um, for the things he's done legwork for, I think he would be an appropriate candidate. Now whether he wants the job or not is completely like I don't know. But it's it's just it's such a disaster. And I saw people being like, "Well, it's not just hockey." No, it's not. But it's hockey today, right? That's like like it's like saying, oh, "Oh man, I have a mess in my kitchen." It's like, "Yeah, but my bedroom's dirty too." Yeah. Like that doesn't You make- clean neither of them? <laughs> yeah, right? Like just cuz they're all dirty, it's okay. Like that's not you know uh it, again, it's just so disappointing. And the more these people talk or don't talk, the worse it gets. And it's just going to fester. And it's just such a bad look. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're going to see a few NHL guys probably lose their careers. Rightfully yeah. so over this. Um, you're going to see all, maybe some coaches that you know, may not be big name coaches, but some guys that either covered shit up or knew about it and just didn't do anything. Maybe some executives, you know, they're at every level, you know, from players, coaches, trainers, people are going to roll for this. And again, rightfully so. Um, <clears throat> I'm just wondering when the bubble bursts, how do, you know, one, the people impacted by this, specifically the victims, like, how do you, I guess, make reparations to them 
because everyone thinks it's easily solved by money, but it's not. You know, they think, oh, just cut them a check, which is clearly the mindset that Hockey Canada had. But as we know, it's, you know, great. They have a couple hundred grand, but now they have to live with this seeing, you know, these fucks, you know, on TV every week and being glorified and shit like that, right? Like, that's got to... That's gotta damage you mentally beyond just what happened. And then at the same time, it's you know organizationally, how does Hockey Canada recover from this? You know, well, as an organization, beyond like I don't even think overhauling the staff does it. Well, no, they're gonna to have honest. to put in some. They're gonna have to. Well, overhauling the staff and the face and the it it goes back to culture, right? Like they're going to have to change and to think that it stops it. And I'm, I'm not discounting sexual assault, but to think that it stops there, racism, mm-hmm. you know, is, is probably a massive it's, issue. Um, at minimum, this is going to be a 10 year recovery plan for them. And, and to think that you think it stops with these accusations, no. as soon as there's accountability, you know, and listen, there's always a space to be cautious about who's coming forward with what, because you never know, who's trying to jump on a train, right? Yeah, who's just jumping on the bandwagon to try and either sewer somebody or take advantage of the situation. But I have no doubt in my mind that these aren't the only two incidents, obviously. Oh, no. And the potential for much, 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 much more to come is there. And I don't, like, I feel like it's almost, you got to burn the forest to regrow it. Like, I feel like it's, you know, like change the fucking logo. Like everything's got to go. It's it's almost got to be restarted. Like it's just, it's it, it's not right. It's like, it just the, the the logo just has such a negative connotation now. You know, it's it's unfortunate. Well, speaking of sp- starting fresh, uh, the Major League Baseball season is about to end. That means the Major League Baseball postseason is about to begin, and the Toronto Blue Jays will be a part of the postseason. And you know, I'm glad that. This year, obviously, the playoffs expanded, and instead of uh, your three division winners and your one wild card making the playoffs, you now have three division winners and three wild cards. And I, I didn't want to see the Blue Jays get in as like the number six or number five wild card, so you can have like an asterisk beside it that like, oh yeah, they only made the playoffs because they expanded playoffs. Like they wouldn't be a playoff team unless playoffs expanded. But no, the Blue Jays are firmly now confirmed will be the number one wild card team. So even in the old format where they only took four teams, the Blue Jays would be in the postseason. So I can at least take solace in that, that I know that they belong here in this position. And now uh, the Blue Jays are just waiting to see whether they're going to be playing the Seattle Mariners in Toronto or they'll be playing the Tampa Bay Rays, thank Christ, in Toronto. The winner, of course, of that matchup will take on the Houston Astros, I believe. So... Obviously, you can't look too far ahead. It's three games in Toronto that the Blue Jays will have to win two of. And I don't know. I don't think it... I'm going in quite confident. Because if you look at the Toronto Blue Jays, and and assuming Gossman is okay. You know, Gossman had to come out of the game in his last start due to a cut on his finger that could be a blister. And we've heard the whole blister thing ad nauseum with Aaron Sanchez. So we're hoping (laughs) it's not going to be quite as bad as that. And Gossman's ready to pitch this coming weekend, but Alec Manoa is one of the best pitchers in the league with a 2.24 ERA, I think, going into this weekend. That's unheard of. I don't think anyone, 
other than Roger Clemens and Roy Halladay, I don't know if anyone's ever come close to a 2.2 ERA for the Toronto Blue Jays before. And Manoa was doing that in his early 20s. Well, he's also had the lowest ERA in September for a Toronto Blue Jay of all time. And yeah, and hope that that continues into October as well, right? Right. If uh, so, who's sorry not to cut you? Do you know who's pitching? So Brios is today. So n- no. So here, so this is where it gets confusing. Tomorrow. So today's game got rained out. They're playing a doubleheader tomorrow. The games no longer mean anything. So I assume Heisenberg is going to start one of the games, and they will probably do a bullpen start for the next game. And after that, it. I think Manoa is your first starter. So I think they've all but confirmed that Alec Manoa is going to be the starter in game one. And game two will be Kevin Gossman if he's healthy. If not, there is. And then game three is going to be Stripling. Yeah, I would do Stripling over Gossman in game two, to be honest. If necessary, it'll be Chicken strips? Chicken strips, I I think it's now confirmed. It's not, well, I should say confirmed. I think it is now very evident that it will be strips if it comes down to a game three. But then, I think what's more interesting, if the Blue Jays win game one and game two, and game three is no longer required and they have to go into Houston, you're probably not going with Manoa or Gossman. That's what I'm saying. So now the question is, do you start Barrios or do you start Stripling? And I think you probably start or, Stripling. Or the way Stripling's been pitching, do you start him game two so that if you win... You're going Gossman game one in Houston. And that gives Gossman a bit more time to bounce back from any like lingering issues that he may have with his finger. I like that idea. But strip- I, that all hinges on the Blue Jays winning game one. Right. And I can't see why. I mean, I shouldn't say I can't see why. It, they have a good chance of doing so with Manoa pitching. Stripling has yeah. been lights out. So I don't. I, I'm not so sure that they wouldn't. If they, like you said, if they do win game one, I think they give Stripling a shot at game two. Because it, it just allows you to be so much more flexible. Any preference on who they play? Personally, I'm thinking the Mariners, but... Both these teams seem to have the Jays' fucking number. That's that's what freaks me out. And at least it's not in Seattle. And at least it's not in Tampa. Okay. Like, we have the security of being, you know, here at the Dome. So... But remember when we remember midseason when we walked into Seattle and we're like, you know, we're gonna fucking take a stranglehold, and they just swept the shit out of us. Yep. They and then sure now, th- and, and now they've got Seattle was on that run of like eleven or twelve games in a row or whatever. And now they have Luis Castillo. And they also have Robbie Ray, who pitched very well in the Rogers Center last year, and can pitch in the Rogers Center now because the Vax requirements are gone for Canada. So that is also true. Um. Not that I would have used that because everybody in the United States would be like, eh, you're cheating. Um, but he is allowed to, to play now. So I don't know that I have a preference. I think it's the Mariners. I think the Mariners, you know, have less. I mean, they're both like young. All three of these teams are, are young, explosive teams, right? Like the, the Mariners have J-Rod. You know, Toronto's got the young explosive players. The the Rays have a Rosarina, Franco. Like they're like these are very exciting teams to watch. Um it'll be interesting. I mean for all intents and purposes, the Jays should have these this wild card locked up, but I don't know, man. 
I guess I would say like, if I had to pick, I would say probably the Mariners. I I'd also would rather see a series against the Mariners just because I want to see I would like to see J Rod in the playoffs, and I don't I I'm the Blue Jays play AL East teams so often I just don't want to see Tampa anymore. I've seen them enough times this year. I would be okay with seeing the Mariners. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I'm a big J Rod fan, right. so it'd be nice to see him. It is time for everyone's favorite segment of the week, or maybe second favorite segment of the week. It is time for top fives, and this top five suggestion comes from maddie thank you maddie for coming up with a good idea we should have uh, people Katie write them in actually we should put that on social media now we should put send in your top fives yeah so if there is a top five that you want us to see us do next week make sure you go to twitter or instagram or whatever your social media uh platform of choice is we'll be right there and go to take a look at 43.6 and send us a message uh mention us in a tweet or Comment on send us a direct message on Instagram if you want, whatever. And let us know what you want to see for a future top five. Because sometimes we struggle coming up with them, <laughs> to be honest. We've done a lot of these. We've done like 20 of them now, and yeah. they're starting to blur together. It's but, been a lot of them, to be honest. Like, you don't yeah, we, think about it. Like, looking back, you don't realize how many we've done. Dude, we're, 20, we're half 20. a year in to this shit. Yeah, we're uh, six months into this. So we started doing top fives, I think in episode 18 and is now episode 25 so we only done seven of them actually but um still it seems like unless i just didn't write them down like i'm just looking up in my spreadsheet and i don't see my i don't see it written down anywhere prior to episode 18 so i could be wrong nevertheless uh this week's episode we are going to be talking about our top five favorite albums of all time I have mine written down already. James, I don't know if you have yours written down. I'll make them up. James was off, off the fly. Matt, do you have, you have your ready for this? I mean, it's your suggestion. Oh, yeah. I imagine you're ready for this. Oh, yeah. And I guarantee you, the funny thing is, Jim can probably name my list. Yeah. <laughs> there might be some crossover. Yeah, there might be some. I honestly think it might be one, maximum two of the same albums. But uh, am I kicking this off? Go for it. Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Welcome back. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, My number five, this is kind of going back a ways, but just top to bottom, I think it's just a very solid album. It just hits. It's it's melancholic, but has some like outright bangers on it. And the lead singer is just an absolute monster. Like this guy probably changed music more than people give him credit for. Uh, and the album is Sing the Sorrow by AFI. Nice. Okay. Very good. good choice. I didn't know it, where you're going with that for a second, but Davey I, Havoc's I, I love that album. And Davey Havoc is just such a cool dude. Like he's lyricist and performer and, you know, he's just taught. He's just, he's awesome. So yeah, AFI, Sing the Sorrow. James? Number five has one of my favorite songs on it of all time, which I guess makes sense because if it's our favorite albums, they should have some of our favorite songs on it. But um, number five, I remember the first time I heard the first single from this album and it it was on like, I saw the video. On, I think it was on Much Music and I was like, there's no way these guys got a video. Maybe it was on like Fuse or something. It was probably Fuse. Um, my buddy's illegal US satellite. Uh, and that's still searching with Senses Fail. 
dude, when calling all cars, like as soon as I heard that song and like, I was a fan of, um, the first album and let it unfold you. Yeah. But when, when calling all cars came out, it was like, it was this weird, like let it unfold you was so like underproduced and rough. It was great. Like, I love it, but there was just that extra piece on top of still searching that made it this big epic. And maybe it was the fact that it was a concept or maybe the fact that they were just a little bit older. Um, Yo, Priest but, of the Matador is still one of those songs that still hits. Dude, uh, it's the whole album start to finish. And having uh, Heath Saccarino, I think is how you pronounce his name, on guitars. Yeah, massive. Can't, yo, can't be saved. Can't be saved is my that's my favorite. That yeah, that's one of my favorite songs of all time. Used to crush that in rock band. Um, that's yeah. why I started just playing it just now. I'm like, that song, I don't know if it was Rock Band or Guitar Hero, one of them, but one of them had uh, Can't Be Saved on it, and mm. I played the shit out of that song. Oh, yeah. That was, like, yeah. my go-to. Parties, a, I was like, guys, let me show you something. Even the beginning of the album, um, there's also a, a song on there, I forget which one it is, that has, like, stomping and clapping, and I watched the making of DVD, and they all stood around and did the stomping and clapping for that tune. It's really cool. So, yeah, that's my number five. Just, as, as, as an aside to that, again talking about like front men i maintain and i say this every time i'm in the car and one of their songs comes on because census fail is one of my favorite bands so you know they're gonna have an album on here on my list buddy nielsen is hands down one of the greatest lyricists of all time also it, massive it's wrestling not even fan. close massive wrestling fan when we created smash on demand i dm'd him on facebook and i saw that he read the message giving him a free trial to smash on demand so i don't but, know if he <laughs> And also another cool thing that this is about Buddy Nielsen. Um, his mom was an actress on a soap opera called Guiding Light, which the um, Buried Alive was filmed on the set with some of the actors from Guiding Light. And my mom, Jim's mom, obviously too. Uh, our mom was a massive fan and we used to watch Guiding Light with my mom. And then it just kind of became this cool connection that one of our favorite bands was the son of one of the actresses of one of her favorite shows. This is yeah. kind of like a cool concept. So then we showed her the video for Buried Alive and she got all excited. So didn't like the yeah. music, but you know, yeah. What's up? Um, my number five actually is in town tomorrow. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> oh, I'm just looking at their tour dates and it says October 5th. I'm like, oh, that's, that's tomorrow. So uh, I did not know that, but they <laughs> are in town tomorrow. They are in town tomorrow. Um, they're out of Detroit. Um, rel- I mean, relatively new band. I say relatively new because a lot of the albums on my list, I think, um, show my age <laughs> in a way of like, this is what I like growing up. And that's part of the reason why it's on the list. So on my list, there are a number of bands or albums, I should say, that would reflect an earlier part of my life. But in terms of this one, this is relatively new. This album came out in 2019, I believe. Um, I, it was just one of those things that hit at the right time. And every song just felt like a banger. And that, of course, is I Prevail's Trauma is oh, very nice my number five uh very big. just bow down and paranoid and gasoline doa like everything on this like it's just it's just one after another that like everything on this i loved so that is why is my number five dude the first time i heard i prevail they were it was the taylor swift warped cover tour? right sorry oh i thought you were gonna say it was that warp tour no it was the taylor swift cover um 
And but then when I heard "Stuck in Your Head," like the course of that tune is so fucking catchy. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice! Oh, there if you, you go. Want a digital. If you want a digital copy of this album, you can use this code yeah. right here. If you're, you're not subscribed watching on YouTube, to a, see the code. If you want if a digital copy, we'll, we'll save it for a YouTube person. Um, but yeah, "Stuck in Your Head," the the chorus of that song is so catchy and so jumpy. It's just like it's and compared to their other like. They're a very well crafted band. I'm a fan. They're good. Number four. Good so Man, my, my number four is so this is I, I like them before this album, but then this album is what cemented them as one of my favorite bands and also one of the coolest concert moments I've ever had in my life. And I think Jim knows where this one's going. I was front row at Warp Tour and they're singing the song and then the lead singer of another band of one of my favorite bands came out and sang the song uh with them and this album is catalyst newfound glory newfound glory wow i haven't heard that one in a while yo i'm a big pop punk guy um and i they are i think the pinnacle of pop punk um giving you that kind of poppy you know bouncy vibe and the funny thing is is a lot of their songs sound like really happy upbeat and going but if you actually listen to the lyrics of some of these songs they're not positive messages or things like that like it's veiled which i think is like a really cool dichotomy with some of the songs in that it's like the lyrics are kind of darker in some moments and yet the beat is so upbeat and like poppy that it kind of oh interesting you know kind of juxtaposition against it so but yeah like uh failure's not flattering off that album um is still one of my favorite songs still gets me going every time it comes on when i'm listening to it in the car blast the shit out of it dude the then they have range too right like oh yeah the coming home as an album was great under coming home is very good and like, like uh, actually, I'm coming home. There's a couple of my favorite songs that are like of theirs or is off that album. And like even their newest album, uh, or one of their newer albums, makes me sick. Or the 20 year uh, anniversary tour we went to that you yeah. got me tickets for my birthday. That was one of the coolest shows. It was good. So yeah, Catalyst, Newfound Glory, my number four. Uh, my number four is. Thrice's artist in the ambulance. That big album. That album, I remember. Okay, so the first time I ever heard, and this was kind of like my introduction into like 2000s emo, was I went to a show at Arrow Hall. Thursday Thrice? Yeah, Thursday Thrice and the Deftones. And oh, it was so good. That's and I kind of, I went for the Deftones, but I ended up falling in love with both Thursday and Thrice on the way out, like more than the. It's death funny time. how that works out sometimes, right? Like right. And I remember, I, we were f- like fourth in line, me and my roommate at the time, and he like I was still in high school, <laughs> yeah. And he was he was off he was working, and he like came to my high school, and he's like, "Come on, we're going to, we're going to Thursday Thrice and Deftones." And he like pulled me out of my English class, and I was like, "All right, let's fucking go." And uh, we were like third in line. It was pouring rain. I had to buy a, a merch shirt. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember this because I had to throw mine out because it was soaked. Um, and we were like right in the front. And then when Thrice came on, they played Cold Hearts, Colder Cash uh, off the top. And I remember everyone just pushing so hard. And it was just the loudest thing I'd ever heard in my life at the time. It was just so fucking good. And they were so on. 
like every note was just like i didn't know it then because i hadn't heard their stuff but then when i would listen to the album i was like it's the same shit i heard like they were just so fucking good um and of course like every song on that album is just a fucking masterpiece like stare at the sun all that's left there every song is artist in the ambulance like that Massive. opening of Artists in the Ambulance is still one of the best openings of a song I've oh, heard. That riff? Fantastic. Yeah. And just like the the lyrics and then it's like it like he goes into the lyrics and then it's like the slow guitar build and then he drops the, like close the doors and I'm gone and then bam the guitar yeah. riff comes in. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Tepe Teranishi is the the guy and Dustin Kensru. And they've grown. Like they're they're not the band that they were in 2001. Um, they're significantly different now. They're more folky, but um, still, like those first couple albums, Illusion of Safety, they're actually re-releasing Illusion of Safety on vinyl. So check it out. All right, my number four is the oldest album on my list. And I had to look up exactly what year it was because I was a little unsure. Um, <laughs> but, hilar- but hilariously, it's still in the 2000s. But... It was 22 years ago. So, I mean, it's, it was a long time. This album was released in 2000. And it's hard to believe when, that was so long ago now. Eh? Yeah. Right. Like, like you don't think that was you know, over 20 years ago, but I mean, that's how math works, I guess. And eventually that just uh, starts to make us feel older than, well, I mean, <laughs> as old as we exactly yeah, are. Yeah, I know. Eh? <laughs> uh, so, this album, I think, in many ways, changed the music industry. I think there are a lot of bands that came after them that were uh, similar, but I still think like even just the way rock music was accepted into mainstream changed here. And I think when it first dropped, there may have been doubters, but as subsequent albums came out, it they, this band became one of the biggest bands in the world. And... I picked this one because this was my introduction to them, and this is what kicked it all off. And it is too bad that Chester is no longer with us, but Linkin Park Hybrid Theory. Big album. If you're not watching on YouTube, you don't know, but like I'm actually showing the final albums as uh, I talk about them. And yes, Linkin Park Hybrid Theory is my number four. I think it's just... A masterpiece of music. And I, you know, honestly, Meteora probably is a better album, uh, just musically. And I think they're, they like, it was more creative and artistic. But I think the rawness of Hybrid Theory and, again, being my introduction to Linkin Park and being introduced to what this genre of music could be, uh, that's to me is what puts it over above anything they've ever done after that. You know what sticks out for me about that album? And like I, I'm delving way kind of off topic of music as a whole, but more kind of cultural impact is how it became like the that album as a whole was the anthem for anime fans because of how many FMVs were made to the music. Yeah. So like a big thing back in the early 2000s was fans making music videos from anime like dragon ball z one piece and shit like that and to songs and it seemed like the big song and from even video <laughs> games too points it of was authority a lot of lincoln park there's always points of authority every single time yeah, point, points of authority was one of them with you yeah off of 
that out was was one of them um uh place in my head was one of them yeah um like it's how many fmvs from different anime came out using songs from that album is unreal and that's what always sticks out for me for that album but not to rush everyone but we got a motor okay my number three is going back senses fail let it unfold you um that i just think is you know top to bottom i can listen to that front to back any day of the week every day of the week and just like songs like i said buried alive you're cute when you scream bite to break skin you know rum is for drinking not for burning it's just big it just goes <laughs> the like, biggest just, pirate biggest pirate anthem yeah it just goes and so and uh, that yeah it's one i'm easily that i will always listen to uh my number three uh and again in the spirit of moving quickly here is the used self-titled um dude nice yeah um taste of ink is basically an anthem for every emo kid from the early 2000s (laughs) if you don't you're one of your one of one of your email addresses and early tags from that album well yeah it was poetic tragedy was one of my hotmail address yeah, yeah. Uh, my five at home. Right. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but if you don't scream four o'clock in the fucking morning when that song is on, then you're you're not from you're not part of the club. You can't sit here. So you don't have your cool kid club card. Yeah, right. So um, it's just like just a fucking solid intro into like the screamo genre mm-hmm. for me was was that album. Uh, honorable mention for my list is uh, Fever three three three. And I only bring them up just because last time I saw the used in Toronto, Fever three 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 opened for them. So if you are going to a concert, make sure you check out those opening bands because some of your mm-hmm. your next favorite bands are going to be opening for the ones that you paid a ticket to see. That's how I discovered Envy on the Coast. My number three. Uh, I don't even know how to explain this other than it just came along at the right time. I guess the best way I can say it. Um. Not always a bit. I was more of a hard rock guy than a punk guy, but this album came in at I think it was 2004, right around the time I was in the 12th grade, and it just it was the perfect storm. And this is what took over my life. And watch out, still to this day, one of my favorite Big. albums of all time is uh. Rise Against and the Siren Songs of the Counterculture. It was, dude, it was it. What I said, dude, like. I remember buying oh, okay. that CD. Fun of me for this no, one. Like, no CD like, plus. Okay, that's Dude. the high school drive around the parking lot song or album. Yeah. We used to drive back and forth to Lindsay, Ontario, with that with that album on fucking repeat. Because you're right, at the time it just represented everything everyone was feeling at the time. I think. Remember, you want to get Froyo? <laughs> get in the car, throw that album on, and go get Froyo. Honestly, right now, well, after the show, like listen to the end of the podcast, but then after the podcast, put on State of the Union by Rise Against and just tell me you're not hyped. Right. Uh, Life Less Frightening is my favorite track on there. I love yeah, I love the bridge too. in that song. Um, oh, for Matt, sure. Matt, that, that's it. I, I haven't thought of that album in a long time. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. Thank you for that's that. A, that's the best thing about Top 5. Sometimes we yeah. like are reminded about stuff that we used to love and have forgotten about. So. For sure. Right, uh, Maddie, you're number two. My number two. And I think the top two is probably where Jimmy and me are going to cross a lot. Uh, my number two, bands for sure, maybe not the album, um, is Good Apollo and Burning Star 4 from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness, Coheed and Cambria. Hmm. Um, that album opens with 
easily one of the best pump up songs you will ever listen to. Like I could put my head through a wall waking up to listen to Welcome Home and 10 Speed of God's Blood and Burial and then The Dirty Secrets and Lying Lies of Erica Court and, you know, the writing writer, like all of it is just and there's such an epic feel to that album for what that album represented in the story. And then also for what it represented for Claudio's life as he wrote it is just it's a masterpiece and i'm just waiting for the day for them to get their netflix special whether it's live action or animated i don't give a shit just give it to me and then as a side thing in the club the faint of hearts have a band playing in the background and it'd be fucking coheed okay because that would be amazing so that album perfection shout out to coheed for being the uh, nxt theme song at one point too welcome and and being on the nhl soundtrack yeah, um, NHL 20, uh, 22 soundtrack or twenty twenty three soundtrack. Let's fucking go. That new album is awesome. Oh too. man, that, that oh we, we need to talk about next week too. That NHL twenty three soundtrack looks amazing. Finally, yeah. back like early two thousands days. Yeah. It's um, been trash for like the past fifteen years. My number two, you know what? I'm gonna cheat here and I'm gonna have two because they came around the same time and I can't I can't pick between the two of them because they both rank in that spot. And that's Tell All Your Friends by Taking Back Sunday, which is, you know, top to bottom, super well-crafted. And you talk about lyricists, Adam Lazara is, is probably one of the best um, lyricists of all time. Um, I and know it's a lot, but... Sorry, and performers. Yeah, go yeah. and people can say, well, you know, this person, that person. Go and read. And go and read how those songs are crafted and dueling uh, singers between, at that time, Fred Mascherino and Adam Lazara and what they say against each other on top of each other. Um, mm-hmm. And it all just weirdly makes sense in the audio. And the second album is uh, Ocean Avenue by Yellowcard. Because they they both oh. they both did the same thing to me at the same time. Um, and they they were very, you know, through through late teenage years and, and college years, you know, you're trying to figure yourself out. These, these albums basically defined me in those times. Um, and these were, albums would be the soundtrack of definitely of my life for sure. Yeah, and there were sometimes coping mechanisms for me. So like, I can't pick just one because both of those albums did the same thing for me. And you know, I remember watching the video of Yellow Card. Yellow Card's coming back, but when they did their <gasps> retirement, yeah, they're playing Riot Fest. Um, the, when uh, they said goodbye and they played Ocean Avenue, I fucking cried. I'll I'll cry to this day watching it on YouTube. It's the the saddest thing. But is there anyway. a more summer song than Ocean Avenue though? Like when summer's starting, you put that on, the windows go down. Yeah. If you have a sunroof or whatever, you crack it open, you blare that shit out the window, and you know people look at you, and the ones who know know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, what I think is interesting, and there are a lot of people who listen to this show that. By the are way, don't rush. Star- We're gonna go over time, so let's. <laughs> let's- oh no, we are. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, exactly. Um, <laughs> I know there's a lot of people listening to the show who are former or current Smash Wrestling fans, and the fact that uh, you just called out "Taking Back Sundays," tell all your friends. Like that's where that show title. Well, came both from. of them, "Tell All Your Friends" and "Louder Now," were back-to-back albums for "Taking Back yeah. Sunday," and that's why it was cool because they were back-to-back albums, back-to-back shows, and they both kind of spoke to what we were trying to accomplish at the time. Um, so that's kind of neat. So if you ever wonder where those show names came from, they're both. And it was during Taking Back Sunday's 20th anniversary at the exact same time, which is really fucking creative when you think about it. Yeah, a little appropriate there. Uh, So my number two is a more current album, more current band. 
This album came out in 2018. Five Finger Death I Punch. I think... <laughs> Sorry, what? I said Five Finger Death Punch. It's not Five Finger Death Punch. Although, you know what? I appreciate the fact that Five Finger Death Punch are professional musicians. And every yeah. two years, like clockwork, they have a new album that comes out. Yeah. So... I at least I at least appreciate that, but no, uh, relatively new band came out in 2018. This album, at least, and I think it is the most creative album I've ever heard. Uh, it's something I constantly recommend to people that, like, I even if you don't is. like this kind of music, I know what it and is, and I know it's not for everyone. You think you know it? Can I guess it? Sure. Silver Scream, Ice Nine Kills. James, you are a winner. This is the Silver Scream, but it's a fantastic Ice Nine album. Dude, like, and the album art on the on the uh, the album, <laughs> uh, you can see it if you're watching on YouTube. You search forty three point six. Make sure you subscribe. Um, you can see like the the knife getting punched through the silver screen and just stabbing people. It's just the coolest idea for an album. So if you aren't aware of what the album is, it's songs all based on horror movies. So you have the American Nightmare, which I assume is based off of like American Psycho, and then I mean I could be no, wrong about that. American but it Nightmare's matter. like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah, it's probably Freddy fair enough. Uh, thank God it's Friday, Friday the Thirteenth. Okay. Stabbing in the Dark, I think is Michael Myers. Like, Halloween, uh, Halloween, Halloween. Uh, then the jig is up. So for uh, Saw, Saw, a grave mistake Jaws. would be the Crow. The Crow, the grave mistake, the Crow. Is the crow. Rocking the boat was Jaws. Yeah. Anyways, it goes on and on and on. Like every song is based off a different. Oh, the last one. It is the end. Oh, yeah. that that one is awesome with the opening. But here's the, opening, the thing: it yeah. is the end is awesome. They have a YouTube series for those songs, so you can go and watch like over their two albums, Silver Scream and Silver Scream Two, an entire YouTube story about the lead singer Spencer Charnas being the lead character in kind of a meta explanation of the albums uh which is really fucking cool because they're very cinematic and i would also recommend and i don't know dustin how you rank this album but every trick in the book which is about classic literature it was the album before this book or before this album that is nice vinyl that's sweet the blood the blood splatter vinyl like just little things like this that just make yeah but yeah like every trick in the book book was so good based on classic literature so the last three albums they've written are actually concepts based on other art forms, which is really fucking cool. My brother and I saw them actually at Sneaky D's. So really tight venue. And like I told you in the car on the way back from golf, Dustin, Spencer stood at the door the whole night watching the other bands in his his uh, like felt trench coat. Uh, and he was like, it was just, they were so fucking good. I have videos from it and I'll send them to you. But they were like, that was just when every trick in the book came out. So they were playing stuff from, uh, oh, I forget what that album's called. And then, but like all their stuff's good. And Spencer's quite an artist. Yeah, um, I recommend them to everyone. Oh, and yeah. uh, one of my one of my close personal friends, who I know listens to this show, uh, John Morrison. I got him on this as well, and he's a, now a fan of Ice Nine Kills because of me specifically, not for no other reason. Just so you know. And like the creative, well, like, the creative like Assault and Batteries has the jingle from Toys R Us as the course. Which is so fun. Oh, yeah. There's so many cool things like that. Like, we're like, Maddie was mentioning the intro to It Is the End, where it, like, Spencer is like talking like the clown that talks to Georgie and yeah. luring him into the sewer. And then, like, even throughout the song, 
you, they introduce like this clown nose honking in the melody of the song. Yeah, and like it, the break that, and then you hear the uh, uh, and then the right. music. Yeah. And same with Jaws, where they imp- they put the Jaws uh, like theme as the, the breakdown. Like that's in the breakdown, and like it goes. List goes on and on of like the way they work with some of the score of the movie, or some iconic sounds from the movie, or just like sounds that would remind you of a character like that. Just really, really cool, creative stuff. They do the that, that on. Oh, the recent album with the American Psycho, where he has like lines and from yeah. the movie built in, where he's like he stops, he's like I got to return some video tapes, and then the fucking the fucking interlude where they basically take Huey Lewis, Huey Lewis in the news, and he re- like he recites that before saying Hey Paul, like that is so fucking cool. Um, he's he's very brilliant. Also, to like for a guy in a. I guess, um, musical style of, you know, kind of hardcore, metalcore, screamo, post-hardcore, whatever you want to call it. Spencer's range to scream and then be very melodic is absolutely masterful. Like, um, the dude hits it all. Low-key, I used uh, um, the curse. What was What was the song about the... Communion of the Cursed. Communion of the Cursed. I used that for a Cherry Bomb Alley uh, Rosemary video for Smash. So if you're ever on YouTube that, looking up Smash wrestling videos. That's on a gym workout playlist that I use is Communion of the Cursed. Actually, a lot of Ice Nine Kills is on there, to be honest. like Big. it's They just get you going. It's great. Um, All right. Now we're at number one, Maddie. My number one, and I have a feeling this band is probably also Jim's number one. Whether it's the same album, I'm not sure. It very well could be. Um, I would say they are my favorite band of all time. Um, I've seen them at minimum five times. Um, Lead singer's voice is like silk and butter and just smooth like no other. And this album just kind of also was there for, again, like Jim said, as like formative time years. I can look back at every song on this album and pinpoint a certain moment of time in my life. Um, and the album is Deep Shadows and Brilliant Highlights by the band oh. Him. Oh, big. That is, Val's voice is just, like I said, it's boner inducing. Um, <laughs> the dude is just, yeah, like he just, it's it's almost like hypnotizing to listen to his voice because um, it's got like that deep silky kind of sound to it. Um, the band has like a, developed their own sound of love metal where it's like a harder kind of old style metal mixed with you know like a gothic vibe to it. Um, just songs off that album, you know, like pretending and heartache every moment and shit like that. Like it just. I like it's just they're one of those bands where I could on my phone hit play and just go through all their albums, but that one sticks out to me and I struggle between that one or Razor Blade Romance. Big. Hi right, James. You're number, number one. Number one is gonna be you know, I, I was gonna say another album, but then like this one jumped into my head and again I feel like cheating again because again I I became fans of both these bands at the exact same time james's top 10 list apparently it basically yeah, is. Know, eh? but i'm just gonna pick one because the other one exists like coheed exists above i named my daughter cambria after the band so i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to reference their albums because they're all number zero. Like they're the t- they're above everything. So my number one album would be They're Only Chasing Safety by Under Oath. That, Tall, that album. Big album right there. Yeah. I remember, I saw, and the reason I say it, I saw them for the first time opening for Coheed. And when they played Reinventing Your Exit, like my life, and that's like not even my favorite song by them. And it's kind of the most commercial song they have. But when I heard it, it was so different than anything else I had heard. And I saw this fucking massive dude playing a keyboard and just like losing his mind, um, you know, and uh, listening to the drummer do the melodies while Spence, another Spencer, uh, you know, does the the dirty vocals while Aaron does the cleans um, was just so fucking cool. Um and like you listen to the intricacies of the guitars and the different pacing, the electronic pieces. Like I'm not a huge fan of electronic music, but I think it does have a space in music at some at some points. Um, I don't think electronic as itself is is technically music, but that's another argument. But even the album cover, the 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 breathing mask, it's very soft. Um, it's a soft wash and a glow on it. It was very inviting. Um, which is funny because I think there's a song on it called You're Ever So Inviting. Um, and there's like even the the B-side tracks of like I've Got 10 Friends in a Crowbar. Like they're so, so good. And I mean, if I was thinner and could wear tight pants like they would have in high school, I would have. But <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't well, like, that thin. Some Will Seek Forgiveness is still one of those songs that just, it, like I said, it just it gets you right in the field. I think. I think Dustin's searching for the uh, the album. Um, yeah, it's just found it. Yeah, <laughs> there it's it is. So like, like what a fucking great album cover, right? Um, it's that green, that green under oath color that's that was kind of associated with them. That teal ish hue. There it is on the back. Yeah, but so fucking good. So good. Yeah. The song that sticks out for me, oddly enough, like I said, is some will seek forgiveness, others regret or whatever is that just that's the song that sticks out for me on that album. And that's not even like the hardest one, but it's like the soft like whole point and then it breaks out and then the big drums and the big guitars and it it's a fantastic album. What's, Dustin, what's the first track on that album? I put it away already. One second. Because like, damn it, <laughs> if you young and young and inspiring, young and aspiring, yeah. So in that track, if you want to get a feel of how it changed everything for me, it it starts off with a massive scream and really fast paced guitars, but immediately it slows down, like the pace slows down and then it picks up again. And Underworld is very good at ebbing and flowing their music without it feeling forced. Um, and when Aaron left. I was like super bummed and they, they like folded for a while and they've since come back and uh, yeah, just fucking hell of an album, man. Dustin, you're number one. You're muted. Thank you. Uh, my number one shouldn't come to any surprise Can by I anyone who knows me. <laughs> Sorry, I, I missed it. What was that? I was like, I'm, but explain and then I want to take another guess because I think I've got you pegged. Take a guess right now. Watch out. Alexa's on fire. It's on fire. The answer is watch out. <laughs> but it's on fire. But go into your uh, spiel. I don't, I don't want to ruin it for you. because 
No, it's fine. Like uh, basically, this is just. I don't think there's a band in the world that I've seen more times in different venues than Alexa on Fire. Every time they're in town, I find a way <laughs> to see them. Um, I don't know. It's just they just get me, and it's one of those bands that just vibes with you, and they'll forever be a part, like a soundtrack of my life. And the fact that they're a Canadian band too is really, really cool, and I, I appreciate that aspect this album of it as well. Awesome. The album art is incredible. Just everything about this album just is perfect to me. And I think this is like a 2004, maybe 2003 album as well. So it was around that same time of that high school change in your life, right? Like there's that point in your life where you're like 16, 17, 18 years old where like you change into the person you're eventually going to be. And this probably had a big aspect, uh, big, you know, factor into that change. I remember Angsty seeing them. Teen. Yeah, I remember seeing them Edge Electric Christmas with Monine and well, this weird band called Warsaw Pack. I don't even know if they exist anymore. But they were so... That's a band I haven't heard of in a while. They were so good. And like 44 Caliber Love Letter and Pulmonary Archery from the first album. Well, that was also self-titled, but yeah. Yeah. We're we're just... Like these... Like we talk about Raw on other albums. Like the self-titled was really fucking Raw. And you listen to that compared to this album. Um, You know, like Water Wings and all that stuff. They're like another poolside fashion football. Um, they're just, they're really well done, but these were like, there's something different on this album that they hit. And I don't know what it is like all the way from accidents down to no transitory. Like there's something, something hits different on that album and it's just so good. Accidents is definitely one of those songs that like <laughs> just kind of like where's the, the foot instantly hits the pedal. Yeah. Which it's it probably a, shouldn't considering the song, but like, it's a hell of a <laughs> hell of an opening riff, right? Yeah. I don't know if you can see it, but like how it's damaged still. this copy. Uh, the, Dude, CD mine was copy. the same. Mine was the same. It was those cardboard, was, the cardboard CD. Yeah. It's like this weird little cardboard thing. And like the amount of times I must have like opened this thing yeah. and put it in my the disc man or in the folds in my in my car yeah and uh i another story i used accidents as a hype song for the ambulance match between brent banks and scotty o'shea right back when james and i used to come to the ring together it was an lex on fire song not off yeah. this album but we did use lex on fire as familiar music. drugs yeah after my chemical romance because that kind of wore out its welcome Man, I actually, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that album didn't hit on any of our lists. Oh, MCR, True Cheers for Sweet Revenge, or Black Parade. Like, there's so many good albums from that time. Like, it's pretty clear that we were all fans of music from the same era. But like, to I feel like isolating ourselves at five. Like, there's a reason we're ten minutes over, and it's because if you're into that genre of music from 2000 to about 2008, maybe 2010. Bands were just churning out like hit after hit album that were just and like they don't make music. I say they, I mean like the royal they of the genre of music in popular music now. Like albums aren't crafted anymore, right? It's because of streaming. It's track after track, right? So you know, as these well, bands with the start exception to of like. I- <laughs> 
With the exception of Ice Nine Kills. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. With the exception of these bands that are in that genre or now coming back into the genre, you know, like Census Fails kind of made a return and MCR looks like they're coming back. Like now you're getting fully crafted albums again. And it's it's great. I love being able to put something on and saying, you know, I'm just going to let this play through and see what I get. But um, yeah, sick, sick pick number one for you. Well, so if you had another album you wanted to put on there, you could theoretically put them in our next segment where we get to shout out some of our favorite things of the week. That's right. It's everyone's favorite segment of the week. It's the week. It's a weekly segment where you get to hear Maven's entrance music. You don't get to hear that very often. So, my favorite uh, album? It's a music-ish <laughs> kind of episode this week, actually. So WWF the music. Maven, I don't think Maven heard his entrance music very often. <laughs> <laughs> WWF the music, volume five. That's my... <laughs> that's your shout-out? <laughs> yeah. full, full metal. No, what was the, the aggression where they had all the... Or what was the one with the hip-hop covers where Run DMC did the DX theme? Remember that? I think that was aggression. Was the hip hop one? Maybe, yeah. Um, what was the one? I mean, the I one, have it here. Give me a second. The one that, <laughs> the one that had Triple H's theme, uh, the black with the green cover. No, that yeah, there's that one. But there's another one that was black with neon green. I think it's that was the music volume four. Volume four. Okay. Do you remember That's Big it. Shiny Tunes? That's how Jericho's theme on it. Uh, the music volume for Jericho was the first track, and then it was big, the big show. Uh, <laughs> the Corporation was on here. Test was on here. There was that Stone Cold Steve Austin remix by H Block. I don't even know who H Block was. Oh, yeah. Was cool yeah. Song. Remember when uh, Disturbed? Some of these songs are like lost to streaming, right? Like you can't, like yeah. there's some of the WWF you albums on Spotify, but some of the songs you cannot get. The uh, You find them on YouTube, but. Um... The uh, remember the Austin Disturbed theme? Yes, that was one of the best ones. I think that was on one of these albums too, wasn't it? But Triple H's one was on that one, right? Um, Triple H, my time was on this one. Yes, big tune, and that was like the Triple H in China theme. Yeah, big. Anyway, shoutouts, Maddie. Um, oh wait, forcible entry. Sorry, forcible oh, entry was the one. That's the one with Kane that, with the uh, finger eleven. That had. Finger Eleven and Kane, Drowning Pools, Triple H, the Triple H Drowning Pool version. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was Remember the one that had uh, Austin or Steve Austin's Disturbed version. Remember when they played Triple H out? Drowning oh, what, WrestleMania 18? Yeah. Here in Toronto. Yeah. Should Sorry, remember. Go ahead, Matty. No, you, got, you guys go first for your shout out. <laughs> no, we're Please. just fucking WWF The Music, Volume 8. <laughs> but I started with the album and shit like that. So All right. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, mainly because mine is music related. So uh, last night I went to a local tavern in Toronto. It's like Ossington and Dundas. It's called the Painted Lady, and they had open mic night. There was some dude who went up there and freestyled to a band that was already playing, and he killed it. And I don't know what this man's name is, but he had some wacky hair and like a long fur coat. So sir, who was rapping last night at the Painted Lady. You get my shout out. That's a panic. That guy was a plant for sure. Right that's a gimmick they do every other Thursday. Like that's just 
<laughs> they're like yeah. some guy sits there waits for his time he gets a nod from the bass player he goes oh i'm gonna come up that's it it's probably pre-planned oh oh for sure like i definitely got the impression of like this is what they do every week yeah. <laughs> they go to the painted lady and they go have fun and i felt like i was in like their close community on that night so uh my shout out is going to be to someone I, I tweeted about last night, and that is Cheryl Pounder for being the absolute best fucking analyst broadcaster in hockey. Like, you know, she's tops out of all broadcasters, I said, but like, I mean, listen, in terms of female broadcasters, bar none, she is the best. But she is fantastic in front of, in terms of all broad, like, sometimes when I listen to some of the broadcasters that happen to be female, I get a distinct sense of a disconnect. Um, I don't get it from Cheryl Pounder. Like she's, she belongs. She hangs. She's fucking fantastic. So Cheryl Pounder gets my shout out for being a really good fucking broadcaster. Not just a really good female broadcaster, but a really good broadcaster in general for hockey. Cool. And my shout out, and this one was kind of relevant. I just, I had something else, but then I was like, you know what? Dude deserves it. When you break records live on our show and you have the audacity to do it and trying to hot, like steal our limelight. I mean, I guess I could give him a shout out. So Aaron Judge, man, breaking a record that, you know, is kind of one of those iconic sports ones that everyone kind of wants to see. And it's like one of those moments that you're, you kind of look back on in sports being like, where were you kind of thing? Did you see it? And that will get played on and reviewed and things like that. So yeah, man, shout out to Aaron judge for 62. Shout out to Aaron judge for driving up the value of my Aaron judge rookie card. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Aaron judge who hit number 62. And interestingly enough, next week's episode is the reciprocal. It will be episode 26 next week here on 43.6 make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms and subscribe over on youtube at 43.6 thank you again to now your treasures for being our sponsor and for james and for maddie i'm dustin i'll see you next week